Hi, hello. We're back to a normal episode of whatever the fuck this is. Dorian, how are you? I'm doing good. Just uh, actually just hot off of a returnal run where I set my high score, so that was pretty cool. Uh, barely, but I did, so forward progress is forward progress. Now the question is, high score. Now, have you finally beaten the other people on the leaderboard or no? <laughs> oh, I know. No, those guys are insane, man. I, I don't think I'll ever catch your score. I'm not good enough. I don't know how they're cracking 10 million, but... I got a little bit further in the 6 million category. It just, it gets to a point where it's so hard. Like you start dropping multiple of those mi- like mini bosses on you. And once you get like three of them roaming around, it's like, well, fucking kill me. <laughs> well, you know what? Have you ever considered maybe sending Jim Ryan a check so he can help you just get to the top? I mean, I already do that, uh, but it's for other services. So I don't think that's included in it. And I don't really want to up my rate further. So yeah. fair enough. I mean, it might be like a GTA plus thing where if you were to pay Jim Ryan, he just helps you in every single PlayStation exclusive ever. Oh, that would be really cool. I wish I could get a deal like that. Maybe I, I should renegotiate my contract with Jim, I think. No, that's the thing. That's going to be part of the uh, Spartacus Platinum plan. Oh, great. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll be signing up for that then. Perfect. Okay. Uh, I, You know what? I know I said whatever the fuck this is, but I feel like I should at least say the name. So, uh, hi, Passive Pixels. Yeah, whatever. You know what this <laughs> is. And if you don't, well, you're probably better off. Um, okay. Uh, I guess I want to mention this as well, because why not? We have a Discord, and we've started a movie club thing. Uh, there's a lot of rules so to make sure that no one chooses a shitty movie. So if you want to join it, cool. Just let me know. I'm assuming that anyone who's listening to this still knows how to contact me one way or another. Like, whatever. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's the one ad out of the way. Uh, let's go ahead and go to our lists. My list is anemic compared to yours, but hey, that means that we'll not hit three hours, right? Right? <sighs> okay, my list. Elden Ring. Succession Season 3. Ah, shit, I didn't finish Succession Season 3. God damn it, I had literally one episode left. Y tu mama también. The Handmaiden. Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Man on Fire. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Rock Band 4, and Ghostwire Tokyo. Dorian, I'm going to take a little small nap while you give me your list. <laughs> yeah, you should. This is the worst one yet. So here we go. Uh, Returnal, Cyberpunk 2077, Trails in the Sky, the third chapter, Ozark Season 4, Mayor of Easttown, uh, Twin Peaks, uh, Eraserhead, La La Land, 2001 A Space Odyssey, The Batman, West Side Story, A Ghost Story, Mank, Requiem for a Dream, Paddington, Licorice Pizza, The Seventh Seal, The Sword and the Sorcerer, Scenes from a Marriage, Shin Godzilla, Fresh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, X, Windfall, Repulsion, Sorry to Bother You, The Game, The Handmaiden, The Lost City, Following, The Florida Project, and The Godfather 1 and 2. I love that we both have two movies that have one word the same across both their titles and yet they're completely different movies you have west side story and you have a ghost story yeah and then i have portrait of a lady on fire and man on fire but- yeah i noticed that i was i was, I was saying I, ho- I wish i watched more story ones and you should have watched like more fire ones but <laughs> what can you do? listen listen the movies i watch are all fucking fire okay so they yeah, count yeah, that's that's true that's true uh- all right, uh, because there's going to be a huge break of you just babbling on, <laughs> I'm going to kick this off at least with the beginning of the list. We've got Elden Ring. Ah, now, yes. Yes, Elden we're Elden Ring. King. I am Elden Lord, sir. Sir, I will not have my title besmirched and or aggrandized. I beat Elden Ring. However, I'm not done yet because 
there's just one entire area that I thought was not optional. But by the time I beat the final boss, I was like, oh, I guess it was optional. Well, I'll still go back to that because I kind of want the platinum in this game. It's achievable. I, I'm going to do it. So Elden Ring. The game is fucking fantastic. Um, the more time that I spend away from it, the more I just want to go back to it. Uh, all of the boss fights, well, maybe the last boss fight felt like if you didn't have a summon, that's going to be really painful to do. I'm pretty sure there are insane people who can figure out how to do it. I'm not going to be one of those people. I'm already insane enough when it comes to Returnal about saying that I don't want to play defense at all and just going full offense. So, you know, maybe that final boss just isn't meant for me. But either way, all of Elden Ring has been super fun even when i've been throwing myself at the same brick wall because a boss is just like you are 10 levels below why are you trying to kill me and i just go shut up and die so elden ring has been an incredible time being able to explore in that open world and just being able to see something off in the distance and go yeah that's where i want to go and usually Miyazaki just going, yeah, you know what? I'm going to reward you for finding this place and then give me some weapon that I'm probably never going to use. But at least there was a boss fight that was in front of that weapon that made it worth it. I think this game might be one of my favorites ever. Uh, so far, I want to say I put it probably seventh favorite game of all time. I think it knocked down Red Dead 2. I really like Red Dead 2, but uh, something about me losing my mind over Radon uh, might outweigh some of the things in Red Dead 2. So that's the math that I've done for that. Um, what else? Uh, first, I started the entire game with just one katana, but by the time that I got around the final, like, five bosses or so that's the thing the final five bosses feel like you can get through them really quickly um, i mean not like they're easy more like they are in quick succession enough that it feels like the ending wraps up really quickly where it's like oh man i'm fighting a whole bunch of these main bosses almost back to back to back and some of those bosses pushed me to have to have a second katana. So I started the game with one katana. I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll just single wield. But by the time I got to the end, I was just dual wielding katanas and just smashing them. And then calling in a mimic tier and using four swords and just demolishing them. It was fucking so much fun. And by the way, the mimic tiers, is it cheating? I don't care. They shouldn't have made it so fun. If there are cheats where it's just like, ah, this is just the boring way of running away and dropping arrows on them, I don't care. If that's the kind of cheating that you want, that's boring. Give me cheating where I can just summon the realest bitch I know, myself, to help me. It's the greatest thing ever put into a video game. Imagine if right after in the Water Temple of Ocarina of Time, after you finish beating Shadow Link, suddenly you can summon Shadow Link to fight with you. Um, the fucking greatest thing quite ever put into a video game. I love it. Um, anything else I want to say about Elden Ring? Um, that's the thing. I feel like I could complain about like how vague everything is, but also I don't know how much of that is just baked into the From Software cake of like literally the game just goes, hey, here you go, bye-bye, see you later. And honestly, I, I don't care. Like I don't care that it's vague or not because we have the internet. We can always look it up, and that's okay to me. And I still would prefer this than the game just dropping hints constantly like, oh, there's Nefeli over there. I should give her this poison. Oh, look, it's Nefeli. I should give her this poison. Uh, yes, I am smacking uh, Horizon because it felt good. 
Um, but yeah, Elden Ring, that combat is so good. I want to go back to it, but I'm scared that with the amount of time that I spent away from it, I am now itching to where if I were to jump right back in, I would become as hopelessly addicted as I was before I beat the final boss. But Elden Ring, it will be back. I will get that platinum because it's totally achievable. I already bought Dark Souls 3, so that's gonna happen at some point. But, like, I spent a lot of time in Elden Ring. I kind of don't want him to let Miyazaki brew in my life back-to-back. So, I mean, to be fair, with something in this list later on, it's probably proof why he won't take over my life back-to-back again. But either way, Elden Ring, phenomenal time. Uh, I would probably say my favorite boss, even after all of it, which still probably be the mimic to your boss because I'm, I'm a sucker for that shit. And besides, like I was, it was kind of difficult for me because like my my character has some fucking weapons on him, so um, yeah, that was a little bit of a challenge. So Dorian, uh, Dorian, give, give me anything about Elden Ring. You want to smack it down, or you want to talk about Demon Souls, or you want to just move on? Uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't have much to say, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> the more I've thought about it, the more it just I don't think it's for me. Obviously, correct. Um, I don't think. I, I don't know. I, it might be the type of thing where one like one day once all the hype dies down, I try it out and I just shit on it because I didn't you like will. it. But I, I, I almost feel like, like I've said before, I kind of like don't want this to become another Breath of the Wild for me where I actually played that game and fucking hated it. So at least now that I, I've, never, I've never played Elden Ring, so I have nothing against it. I don't need to shit talk it. I don't need to. I, I don't need to say, man, fuck this game until I when, once I play it, though, and I'm like, oh, this actually isn't for me. I don't like it. Then I got to shit on it. So I don't know. I think for now, I'll just never play it. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm glad everyone has having fun with it. I haven't seen a lot of negative uh, negative comments on it. It seems mostly overwhelmingly positive. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the uh, rest of the year, because it seems like it's the de facto uh, game of the year now. So we'll see what happens. Oh, Oh yeah, I already put it as my game of the year. It's like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure like I can I can call it for this year. There's no way that Ghostwire Tokyo or something like that, or you know, love you Kirby, totally bought you Kirby. No idea when I'm gonna play you Kirby because you know I still have Mario 3D World to get to, but yeah, I, I feel safe just putting this as like, yeah, this is probably gonna be my game of the year. Um, Elden Ring, very good. Uh, the score I'm gonna give this is uh, dual wielding katanas and then doing a running start so as soon as you do a jump attack it hits them with both swords for about 600 to 700 damage out of 10. Nice. Uh, I'm gonna give it uh, a Breath of the Wild but a timeline where I never played it and I don't need to bitch about it instead out of 10. The, the Paragon uh, route is what you're doing. Yes. yes yeah. Uh, I on the other hand will be thinking about a Renegade route for Horizon 2. Okay your turn. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, okay, should I just start knocking shit out then, or do you want to go back and forth still for a bit? Uh, go ahead and run through a whole bunch of stuff, and then I will see whenever it feels like, yeah, might be time for me to talk about something. All right, fair, fair, fair. Uh, let me get my games out of the way then. Uh, I've got three of them. Um, so we'll start with uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, realistically, I only played like an hour of it. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. Look, I'm not one of those kind of people that like, Oh, I walk into the open world and icons pop up everywhere. Fuck this game. I don't mind that. No, that's you. I don't mind that. However, (laughs) after having just done that with Horizon, like just finished that, I was not in the mood for that again. (laughs) And basically, I kind of finished the the, the prologue tutorial part of Cyberpunk. Game's great. It looks great. It looks gorgeous. But it wasn't really clicking with me. And then I walked out into the open world and I see all the icons. I'm like, oh. 
okay, I don't want to do this right now. And <laughs> if I if I if I forced myself to play it, I would have had a less enjoyable experience with it. So uh, I am technically, I guess, dropping it, but not forever. I can tell it's a good game. I will get back to it. Uh, I enjoyed what I played of it so far. So yeah, that's it for Cyberpunk. Any comments? Uh- uh shane uh shane you son of a bitch uh he sent me cyberpunk but he also sent me a sealed copy of not only just horizon one but horizon greatest hits edition complete edition and um also along with a dvd of a wrong region for the lion king remake that i can't even watch if i wanted to because of the region locking along with cyberpunk and um I will get to this game eventually, but it's just going to sit there for a while because goddamn, the stack of games is getting terrible. Like uh, it's it's taller than the movies stack now that I have. And that's kind of a dangerous place to be. Also, it doesn't help that I bought Ghostwire Tokyo and uh, I I think I may end up keeping it. So um, that's not mm. cyberpunk. No idea when I'm getting to it out of 10. Yeah, it's a, I'll get back to it out of 10. Uh, and I'm just going to, like, I mean, we'll see when you get to it, but I'm going to be surprised if you end up jiving with that one. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. But from your open world tastes, that one's going to surprise me if you like it. But, I mean, I guess we'll see. Here's Crazy the thing, things. though. If the world gets me, that's probably going to get that's, me. That's true. I guess if the world's interesting enough, then that can overcome a lot of it. So, fair yeah. enough. I mean, like, remember, I still like Ghost. It's not the format itself. It's literally sure. if you do nothing along with the format. True. Although I don't remember Ghost of Tsushima ever being Icon Overload. Maybe it was, but I don't remember ever being like. like no, actually, no, you're right. You're right. Everywhere. Yeah, like they they were a lot more subtle with it. There wasn't nearly as many. So from what I remember, anyways. Um. Okay. Uh, Trails in the Sky, third chapter. So yeah. So oh, like, I, like I, I don't I, I don't understand. I was just sitting there. I'd finished Cyberpunk, and I, I was like I was like having like an existential. I can't talk. Fuck existential. It. Thank you. I was having that. <laughs> uh, I was having that for a gamer crisis. I'm like, man, maybe I just don't like video games anymore. Maybe I'm Good. done. So Good. I decided to fire up Trails in the Sky, the third chapter. And uh, no, unsurprisingly, I'm actually really having a good time with that. Son of a uh, bitch. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm, about, I'm about halfway through right now, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. I mean, with all the Trails games, they're all kind of blend together, and it's the same talking points in most of them. Uh, I will say this one's a little bit interesting because it feels more like an epilogue. Like it's basically like like the second Again. one kind of wrap, wrapped up the story and finished the game, and this one's just like okay, what can we do with these characters now to give them some closure? And it's just kind of giving them all closures. Like the game is basically one giant dungeon crawler. Like it's the same area for the entire game. It looks different with like different dungeons and stuff like that. But they mix it up and they have these little doors you can go into that give you side quests and like, but they're actual like character building stuff, which I really dig. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, like I said, halfway through. So I'll probably play more of that actually when we're done here after some cinema, of course. And uh, yeah, no, I like it. I am a hater and I hope that you don't enjoy the game. Uh, just something about hearing you say that, like, um, the fact that it's doing the prologue thing again. It's like, oh, my God, I really hate that. Uh, straw had uh, however long ago we had him for the 13th sentinels episode which jesus christ uh straw had big fan of um trails and didn't he mention that all the odd games are basically set up and then the sequels are where actually stuff happens correct correct this this that's not wrong but this one's actually not even really setting up anything because it's just bookmarking it so i mean same kind of thing i guess but yeah like like uh, sky one is setting things up 
Uh, Cold Steel 1 was setting things up. Apparently, Cold Steel 3 reboots and set things up. Uh, and I don't know about the other ones. So. You remember early on in the Game of Thrones run when it became a meme of uh, people just being like, where are the dragons? And people are just like, the dragons are coming. I swear, the dragons yeah. are coming. <laughs> I remember that. That, that just feels like trails. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, like I said, there, there's no chance in hell you would like these games. Oh, like, God, no. That's that's why I'm being extra violent to them. I would bet you going back to Horizon 2 and enjoying that before I would bet on enjoying trail, ever enjoying trails. It's just never happening. <laughs> I'm going to give this uh, every single day we stray further from God's light out of 10. Uh, no score yet. Still halfway through, but enjoying it so far out of 10. Keep on uh, all right, last game, Returnal. So, yes, uh, this one. So I downloaded the new update uh, for it, uh, which gives you... It's basically... I think it's called the Ascension update, uh, and it does a couple things. First of all, it lets you do co-op, which is cool. Uh, so you can co-op the game now uh, with another person. Uh, and they did adjust the difficulty of it, which is cool, so it's not like you can just rip through it, so that's neat. I uh, haven't tried that yet. Hopefully, you're going to do it with you, actually, soon, uh, and uh, Shane. <laughs> um, but that'll be one day. Uh, but there's a new tower mode, which is basically called the tower. You know, I want to say it's the Tower of Syphilis, but I don't think that's not correct. Syphilis. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's not uh, let's not talk about syphilis. Syphilis. Okay. On the other hand, syphilis is probably you just constantly going back to the same bitch that got you infected. Yeah. True. True. There's some uh, meta meta there. Excuse me. Uh, but yeah, so it's a new tower mode uh, where it's basically endless. It's their arcade mode that you just climb the tower and try to get the highest score as possible. Uh, there's some story bits mixed in there, which actually I'm almost done. The story parts, I've just been doing runs, so I haven't gone back and finished the story part. But there is one more thing I need to see, so I'll probably do that soon. Uh, but yeah, it's really addicting. Uh, I mean, it's the loop, the gameplay loop of Returnal that you love. And you're basically... I like this because it really pushes you to go fast. Um, and like basically, you can clear a room, and there'll be items around there and health. And then you need to make the decision because your multiplier is going to drop fast. So you basically need to make the decision: Do I really need to go get that health? Do I really need to go get that item, or do I want to just book it to the next floor? And I like that because it makes you kind of make a decision. Sometimes, sometimes there'll be new guns, even and like, oh fuck, I really I don't like the gun I have now. I'd like to go check that out. But if I do, I'm going to lose at least one to two points off my multiplier, which doesn't sound like a lot, but the shit stacks, man. And like once you start getting up to the higher levels, it's really hard to maintain that multiplier. So you got to kind of think about that early. Uh, but yeah, it's great. Uh, it's fun. It's addicting. I'm terrible at it, <laughs> but I'm having a great time with it. Uh, the only thing I don't like is the RNG. Like, I don't mind RNG. I understand Returnal is an RNG-based game. But basically, after you beat the boss on every floor, you get a mandatory malfunction. Like, you can't avoid it. So it's a mandatory malfunction. And if you don't know Returnal, a malfunction is basically when you have, like, you have something negative working against you. Usually in the game, when you get one, you can, like, clear, do some requirements and clear it out. But with this one, no, there's just no chance. You can't do any of that. You're stuck with it. And one of them is such fucking bullshit. It's basically called the hostiles will counter on hit. And <laughs> basically, when you shoot an enemy, it'll shoot an orb back at you, which it doesn't sound very hard. But if you have an automatic gun, which are like my favorite guns in the game, like the hollow seeker or the carbine, and you're just rattling off shots at it, and they rattle the shots right back off you. It basically <laughs> ends the run. And it's bullshit. So <laughs> if, I, if I get that, it's like, okay, I might as well reset the run. Now I'm fucked. 
and I hate it. Like, I hate it. Like, I don't mind RNG. Like, there's even bits where you have to pick a parasite between two and take the negative effect with it. I don't even mind that because at least there's some choice there and you can kind of plan around it. But this is just bullshit. There's no way to get rid of it. So I don't know. I, I mean, I guess they do that to make it harder because people are just already killing it and getting amazing scores. But man, that one's some bullshit. And I would like to see that removed. Otherwise, really enjoying it. Here's the thing. I love the idea of Returnal just constantly throwing dirt in your eye because, um, well, I did just finish Elden Ring. So that sounds fucking hilarious to the game just going, mm, uh, what if you just stopped right now and then just ruined everything? I kind of hate the fact that Elden Ring is now put in my brain that sometimes I like it when games troll you. Uh, I wanted to play this, uh, but I don't remember what stopped me. I think it's because I finished Elden Ring. I was like, yeah, let's put a little bit of time between me and another game. Uh, it seems that that was uh, probably a lie because, you know, Ghostwire Tokyo is at the end of the list, but oh well. I want to play Returnal. I, we still really do need a co-op. The problem is, is that that's another thing where I just feels like that's going to take a lot out of me. And if I'm going to do that, I should go back to, to Elden Ring. And my brain, I just don't think is ready for the... <laughs> for the get good mentality that's going to be needed there but i swear i still want to do this so returnal uh, eternally installed on my ps5 out of 10 yeah it's still my game of the year from last year it's still a really hard 9 out of 10 i love this game i it's 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 one of my favorite games of all time now at this point uh definitely top 20 so uh, i love this game this the aesthetic of it obviously and everything so i will continue to play until i rage quit i've already rage quit and uninstalled it once so let's see, how, <laughs> let's see how many times we go for this time i want you to keep a lifetime count of how many times you angrily uninstall returnal let's do now right well, this is the fourth no this is the fourth. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah well uh, like fourth overall like from my last from playing the story too so oh i love it <laughs> no, but but like but like angry uninstall, not just uninstall, right? Oh no, they're all angry, and there's no happy uninstall on that one. It's a it's a fuck you. I'll never play this trash again. Take the disc out, throw it in the corner, and then you know, two hours later, regret and put the disc back in and wait for it to install. <laughs> Shit, now I gotta wait two hours for this disc to install. Yeah, uh, that's all the games. Uh, so should I just move on, or do you want to talk about any yes. of your games? Move on. Yeah. I agree. All right, cool. but you know what? You know what? Fine. No, no, I'll just get one easy out of the way. Okay. Sure. Uh, sure. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. So, you know what? Screw it. I'll just bundle both of these together. Mario, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and Rock Band 4, since I had friends over, and then that's what we both played. Uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I downloaded the eight new tracks. I didn't know it was eight. I thought it was just four, and I was like, oh, cool. That's a nicer price. Thank you, Nintendo. $25, 48 tracks. Sick. Um, the tracks are good. Uh, I was very happy with them. I think there's actually a new one that got snuck in there that isn't just a remake of one of the other tracks and that new track was fucking dope it was uh you're driving on top of like um very old japanese architecture buildings i was like oh fuck this is actually really cool uh all the other ones there's one that's in paris that's uh just really windy roads and a whole bunch of roundabouts and you know playing that on one fourth of a screen doesn't exactly help when you don't know the map yet so it's like ah shit where am i going oh i'm actually turning in the wrong direction uh, either way, I'm happy to have more Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. So uh, even just for $25 for these eight tracks, I'm already happy. And we've got, what, 40 more? I can't wait. This is awesome. Uh, getting that out of the way, Rock Band 4. I think the last time I had this was like the beginning of last year. So, hey, maybe the band just gets together once a year. Uh, either way, Rock Band 4. Holy shit. Still very fun. 
uh, my microphone died. Uh, so I was thinking, wow, I may have to blame my niece and nephew that are always rummaging through my closet. Maybe they broke the mic. But honestly, I'm glad that they killed the mic instead of the drum kit, the guitars, or the guitar, or things that, you know, if were to break, would be a lot harder to find. At least the microphone, I could just buy that for another $10. Uh, then I broke and then spent way too much money on DLC songs on Rock Band because that's just what happens. You play Rock Band, you go, you know what, I kind of want to see what they have. And then you look through and it's like, wait a minute, how the hell did I not have this? How the hell did I not have I Want to Break Free by Queen? What is wrong with me? And then you buy and buy and then just realize, well, wow. Um, I got a lot of alerts on my phone saying that my Amex was used a lot. Shit, that's me. I know who that was. That was me that did that. Um, so yeah, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Rock Band 4, fun games. We should have played Mario Party as well, so I could have kicked them out. Uh, go ahead, philosophize as you'd like about either of these games. Uh, yeah, so I love Mario Kart. Uh, I actually don't own it right now, but I did when I first had my Switch. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a bit salty about the new tracks, though. I, I just I want them to make a new one, man. I, I get it. It's cool. Whatever. Pay your 25 bucks, your DLC. Get your 48 new fucking tracks. But 48 new tracks, that means we're not getting a new fucking Mario Kart game anytime soon. So that's okay. a bit salty, it's but that's cool. Yeah, game is fun. We're all yeah, right. game is fun though. Game is fun. Yeah, I, I love it. It's my like it's my I, okay. I mean, here's here's the hot take. I still like the Wii U version better. The the reason uh, being the is worst. because the the reason being is I don't like the two items. The two items throws things off to me, and it's not it, it, it ruins the balance sometimes. But <clears throat> I think it's, otherwise, it's a Nintendo game. The balance does not exist here unless it's. Fresh. I mean, yeah. I mean, fair. You got your blue shells, but. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, uh, great, great stuff. I like Mario Kart. Uh, Rock Band, on the other hand, yeah, I love Rock Band too. Uh, we were just talking about that yesterday. I have over like a thousand songs on that fucking piece of shit. Uh, so God knows how much money I've spent on that. Um, and yeah, it's great. I love Rock Band. I have the drums too. I have all the shit too. The drums, the guitar, the guitar, the microphone. It's been so long since I've dragged that out. Uh, and yeah, I would love to play it again soon. Just, you know, the time and the effort to get everything out and everything like that. I used to be able to yes. drum on experts. So I kind of want to just oh. like, like my favorite, one of my favorite songs to drum was the perfect drug, which is like insane on expert. I love that song. It's so hard. And I used to be able to do it really well, but there's, I'm so rusty now that like, there's zero chance I'd be able to do it. But, uh, yeah, I'd like to get back into the hang of things. So fun game. God. Dude, I actually hurt myself playing Rock Band 4. Uh, I was That's the thing. So the drum kit that I have, right? I have the drums. I have the kickstand. But I don't have the legs. Because, like, it, look, it was 2015. I was scrambling really hard to find the leftover instruments that no one was using. And thankfully, one friend was like, yeah, I have the drum kit. That's all I have. And they, they just said, here's the drum kit. And I went, okay, fine. I'm going to go and have to scavenge everything else. I took some metal rods from him. And then I had my dad help me use a heat gun to use a PVC pipe to put it on there so we can have the drum kit sit on top of these metal pipes that we just found. The metal pipes are too tall, though. So, like, I'm sitting in my couch and I'm slumped down lower and my arms are, like, my arms are way higher than they have to be to be drumming on this thing, right? Like, the drum kit, you want it that a little bit lower, maybe to your waist. Like, the drum kit is, like, almost to nipple size. And I'm like, yeah, that's not, this is too tall. Um... So I stood up and I started drumming and I was leaning on the armrest of my couch. And so what I realized is that because I still needed to kickstand, I was using all of my weight on my left foot while my right foot was still kickstanding. So I was standing for like 
four or five minutes just putting all my weight on my left foot. And then when the song ended, I just collapsed. I was like, ah, fuck my left leg. Ah, ah, this wasn't worth it. But also, I would totally do it again. <laughs> so, uh, by the way, I fucking drumming on expert. That's just drumming. That's just drumming. And I do not have the coordination for that. Like, any time that the kickstand would be kicked in, I'm like, ah, I'm dumb. I don't think I can handle this. Uh, I just, I've, I'm a simple boy. Just give me a guitar, maybe even hand me this, the microphone and I'll sing along with it. But that's as much as I can do. Yeah. It's hard, man. Drumming on experts, not easy. And I used to actually drum, like actually drum too. So yeah, I think exactly. That that's what it. it is. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's hard. <laughs> it's not easy. There's still, there's like, it, there's still some songs too that are like kind of impossible if you have like a bad drum set like like for instance like run to the hills on expert if you've got a sh- like there's a lot of those rock band drum sets that are kind of shitty because they don't hit properly and like uh, if you have a shitty drum set you just can't do run to the hills like it's impossible because <laughs> you need to you need to roll all the time through that and if you can't roll properly like you're just fucked so it kind of depends on the drum set too i was always tempted to buy one of those premium ones they sold for it but i never did so mm. I mean, you should have because now if you kept it, then that thing could be paying your mortgage for the next like, 40 years. <laughs> True. But, you know, well, time machines, man. <sighs> yeah, no kidding. But either way, I'm so happy that I still have all this stuff. And uh, I'm never getting rid of it at this point because I put in way too much into the songs that they're just going to stay with me forever. Awesome. Yeah, no, good stuff. I love Rock Band. Uh, so Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is going to be, uh, hold on, I'm going to do a math equation for this one. 48 divided by 25. Uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is going to be a less than $2 per track out of 10, and Rock Band 4 is going to be a, let's say, 600 songs, even though not all of them were purchased for $2. Let's just say, you know what, we'll just say $600 worth of DLC songs out of 10. Very nice. Uh, Mario Kart's like an 8 out of 10 for me. Uh, and Rock Band. And rock band's always been around, like an eight out of ten too. So, Dude, fucking monster. That should be a that should be a nostalgia out of ten. Yeah, I mean it's that too. All, all yeah, right, uh, let's get some TV out of the way here. So, don't have much to say about Ozark because it's only the half season. Those fuckers, but I did finish it. Uh, the next half season, like the, the the stupid thing is, this one's so close together too. I don't know why they just didn't launch it all at once. But the next part of the half season launches in April, so next month. So I'll get to it. Eventually, maybe Netflix has locked themselves into releasing everything all at once. And they're just like, ah, shit. Well, we want a second bump from this from people subscribing. Mm. Yeah, that's honestly probably. Yeah, uh, it was good, though. I, it was really good. I like I like the show a lot. So, yeah, I, I talked about it last week. So still very good. Uh, still going to watch it. OK, well, just because we're in the TV section, I may as well throw out my single TV show that I have here. Uh, Succession season three. I went back to it after I finished Elden Ring. Like literally, I finished Elden Ring. I, was, I told, I turned to my wife and I was like, "You're the Elden Lord." Now, the reason I called her the Elden Lord is because, of course, in Elden Ring, my character is based off of her. So, like, oh, okay. my character looked like her because, like, I just thought it would be funny if anytime she would die, she would just be like, "Are you fucking killing me again?" I'm like, "Uh, yeah," but like, it wasn't my fault. Like, just some dude was hiding behind a corner and stabbed you. I did what I could. So uh, I turned to her. I was like, you're the Elden Lord. What do you want to do? What, what TV have we dropped? And she's like, we have Succession. I'm like, oh, yeah, Succession. Um, I'm out, honestly. I, I don't think this final episode is going to pull me back and be like, ah, this is why you need to watch season four. 
I don't know what it is. I think I just enjoyed season one and two where even though these are all horrible people, the stuff that they're doing was entertaining enough that I was just like, yeah, I want to see if this blows up in your face. And usually it would, but they still would survive enough to not have it completely kill them. So I was like, yeah, you know what? I think I'm enjoying this. But there's something about season three where it feels like it's it's trying to... For some reason, it feels like Succession Season 3 is expecting me to care about these characters more than I do. And just seeing any of them do anything, it's like, I kind of don't care. There's a threat of going to prison at some point for some of these characters. And I see them kind of freaking out. And I'm not even really entertained by them freaking out. I'm just kind of thinking, yeah, if you went to prison, okay, yeah, sure. I don't, I don't really care. That's fine. And whenever they end up with either going or not going, whatever the results were, I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, those are results. Yeah, sure, okay. And once I realized that I was just being very passive about almost anything that happened, I was like, ah, I don't know if I care about this now. Uh, it's still gorgeously shot. Uh, please keep using the music that you're using because the music is great. But at the end of the day, I don't find it that entertaining with how horrible they're being at some point it just become became road of yeah you guys are just terrible people and you guys are gonna keep doing this but it still hasn't hit like a new level of terribleness for me to accept it nor does it seem like it's becoming funny enough to make whatever terrible things they're doing more entertaining so yeah succession season three this might be where i jump off i have one episode left which honestly now that i realize i hadn't finished it i think i'm probably just gonna watch that later on today Perfect. Yeah, I don't know. I I actually really liked season three. I think season three is my favorite season. Funny enough, so I don't know. I just it it clicked different for me. Um, I will say I think the show is very overrated by people. Um, especially like going into this show, all I heard was how this is the best show on television right now. And I mean, to be fair, a lot of people say that for their favorite shows, so I get it. But I, I just mm -hmm. it's not it's not that good. Like, this wouldn't even be in my top twenty shows of all time if I was making a list. Top fifty maybe. Uh, but it's very good. I still really enjoy it. And definitely enough for me to keep watching. Uh, and yeah, I mean, season four will be interesting to see where they go with it. I think they've said they're only going to do like four or five seasons max. So it's probably good they're wrapping it up soon. I don't know if I'd want it to go for longer than that. Um, and we'll see how they uh, finish things up. All right. So Succession season three is going to be a... Um, ah, no, that's a spoiler. Um, because if I were to say that, it would become really obvious who I'd be talking about. Um you know, it's just going to be a a nice string section over terrible people out of 10. Fair enough. It's probably like a 7.5 or an 8 out of 10 for me right now after three seasons. So somewhere around there. Uh, okay. Mayor of Easttown, or otherwise, as I like to call it, the mayor of Pogtown. Uh, <laughs> look, this is pretty good. I liked it. It was good. Uh, Kate Winslet is great. I love Kate Winslet. So whenever she's in something, I'm like biased towards it uh, because I like her a lot. Ever since Eternal Sunshine, really, but she's been in a lot of stuff I've enjoyed more than just that. Um, and yeah, it's good. It's really good. I, I, I don't, I was sitting there near the end of it and I was like, you know, this is good. I don't think it's great. But then the finale is like actually really excellent. And it's very rare that I get genuinely shocked by something in a finale. Like I'm like, oh, our twist or whatever. I was like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Uh, it's rare that I'm ever like blown away by that. Uh, this one did it though, and like, because it, it's interesting, they kind of frame something at the end of the second to last episode, and it's like, oh, okay, I see where you're going with it. This is an obvious twist, and then they kind of do that in the finale, and you're like, okay, and then the, the, it happens early on, and the rest of the episode keeps playing, and it's like there's something else later on that kind of changes everything. It's like, oh shit, I didn't expect that. 
So it was really cool and uh, it caught me off guard. And uh, the yeah, the finale kind of elevated it a bit for me because just generally doesn't happen. I thought it was really well made and well done. And uh, yeah, more miniseries Kino from HBO. Uh, I don't think they're doing another season. I think it was a one-off. So good, really good. It's certainly not like the, the, the best HBO miniseries for me is still the night of. I've never seen anything for me personally that's taught that. Uh, and I'm still looking, but uh, yeah, this was enjoyable, and I'm uh, glad I watched it. Mayor of Easttown. I want to watch this because uh, when I was in Hawaii, and for some reason it was late at night, and we couldn't go to sleep, uh, they had the Emmys on, and when I saw that Kate Winslet was actually winning stuff, I was like, oh, hey, Kate Winslet. I like you, Kate Winslet. I should give you a chance. HBO? Yeah, sure. Why not? So, yeah. I'll get to it, but also, God, who the hell knows whatever hell I'm actually getting to it. There's so much TV that, uh, oh yeah, uh, I'm going to tell you because I've been holding on to this, but uh, Succession, after that, I want to start Twin Peaks. So yeah, I'm, I'm joining you Yo, there. Let's go! Yes. Mm-hmm. yes, I know, I know. So uh, Succession, after that, probably start Twin Peaks immediately after. I'm pretty sure my wife is going to dip out of it, so that means that it won't slow me down. <laughs> I can... Well, look, I don't know if that's going to be for her, okay? So if she jumps out, then that means that my ability to watch this show is just going to just skyrocket, right? So, yeah, the mayor of Easttown, who the hell knows, out of 10. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a solid 8 out of 10 for me. Great miniseries. Speaking of Twin Peaks, uh, yeah, I'll jump right into it. So, uh, I'm, well, and I'm actually going to bundle, a, uh, bundle the two Lynch things together, Twin Peaks and Eraserhead here. So mm-hmm. we'll dip into movies after that, finally. Twin Peaks, though, yeah, I, I mean, you're, if you're going to start it, I guess we'll be talking about it. Uh, I just started, I started a rewatch of it. Uh, I'm about to have two, two episodes left, I think, in the first season. So um, I'll kind of just talk about there and obviously not go into spoilers or anything. But yeah, it's good. Uh, it's just so deliciously weird and campy. Uh, it, it's so interesting to watch this again and just see the differences, but especially between this and like The Return, which is like the third season. This is kind of like Lynch is just parodying soap operas basically here. And he's obviously constrained by network television because this aired on fucking ABC. (laughs) So like there was, you know, he couldn't get away with the things he would want to get away with. And he kind of plays it up in the show somewhat. And it's cool. Uh, And yeah, it's just so bizarre and so unique, although it's probably the least bizarre thing Lynch has ever done, which I mean, is saying something. But (laughs) it's still weird as hell and quirky and a lot of fun. And I'm definitely excited to jump into and the, the whole reason I'm rewatching in the first place is because I've had an itch to watch the return again, which is the third season where it's just, just it, it's Lynch on heroin and it's fantastic. So I love it. And uh, yeah, we'll get there eventually. So yeah. Thoughts. Why did you decide to start to watch it? Uh, no, that's the thing because you started to watch it. And I was like, well, I kind of, Oh, that's the thing. Have you not noticed that anytime I am indecisive about what to choose next, I just go like, Hey, Hey, Addy, what's, what's your list? What's, what's yeah, that's true. I didn't, I didn't think about that. <laughs> look, look, this is the unintended consequences of doing passive pixels. I have now found someone who I can just, hmm, what am I going to do? Ah, perfect. Shorten the list of what I could do. Ah, shit. Every single movie that you watch is not on streaming in the U.S. Perfect. I, this, this, <laughs> my plan has just gone kaput. It's gone. Um. So, yeah. Uh, honestly, Twin Peaks just feels like, if I have so much Lynch stuff to watch, I feel like Twin Peaks may be the beginning of just freebasing him, and then eventually I can go into his movies after. 
Yeah, I would actually agree. I think Twin Peaks. I think Twin Peaks is a great place to start for Lynch in general, because you're gonna see you're gonna see like really cool stuff in season one. That's like not typical Lynch, but still weird and fun. Uh, unfortunately, you're gonna suffer through season two, but that's when you pull the phone out and <laughs> do whatever the hell else you want. And then you get the return, which is much more in line with Lynch in film. And basically, Lynch actually considers like Lynch considers the return to be just one 18 hour movie. He said that. Yeah. So it's basically just one 18 hour movie. And that's kind of the way to look at it. And then that's going to be the perfect gap way. If you like it, of course, that'll be the perfect bridge gap way to his film. So it's actually a really great place to start, I think, in terms of Lynch's shit, because you, you don't want to just start with a racer head. You <laughs> really don't want to just start with a racer head, which uh, I'll talk about in a second. Uh, the one thing I will say is that uh, I think I don't want to go immediately into the return. Like, I think I want to do season one, season two, go off to his movies and then come back to the return because the return feels so much like I would imagine that feels a lot like a culmination culmination of everything that he's learned through movies and then finally coming back to the tv show that somewhat started him does that sound accurate or no no that's actually a good point and that's totally fair uh the only i, I mean yeah that's fine just remember again remember season two is absolute oh, I know, garbage I know. so when you finish when when you finish season two you're probably never going to want to go back but no. just remember it's different but yeah uh, that's correct like it really is like the, the return is probably going to be i don't know if he'll do another movie like he's getting up there in age I, I don't know if we'll get another film from him or even another tv series so if that's it then that's basically his uh you know his magnus opus so to speak all right so yeah um i'm going to say that twin peaks is gonna be uh wait i forgot what was no that wasn't the topic what was the topic <laughs> Yeah, it was Twin Peaks. Yeah. Oh, it was Twin Peaks. Okay. Uh, Twin Peaks is going to get a, a sooner rather than later out of 10. Cool. Uh, yeah, I'll keep watching it. No score yet, but we'll finish that. We'll figure that out when we get to it. Uh, so I'll jump right into Eraserhead now. And, and uh, Jesus, <laughs> what, what, the, what the fuck, David? David. <laughs> David, if you're listening, you're not listening. But if you're listening, do you hey, need David. to talk, my friend? Are things okay? Were, were things okay back in 1977? Obviously not. But Jesus fucking Christ. I mean, if you ever want a movie that's basically an advertisement for condoms and not to have children, th this is the fucking movie for you. Boy, oh boy. And watching this again for the second time is just like, yeah, you know what? I'm good on kids. Ever, 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 never, 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 ever, ever, ever. The movie is so bizarre, but what I like about Dave, and, and and it is pretentious. Like I, I do believe he is very pretentious at times. I mean, he is. David Lynch is so pretentious. You you put you put in his criterions. They're the only ones that don't have scene selects because he does not allow it. He does not allow a fucking scene select on his criterion because he demands you watch it all at once. The motherfucker. <laughs> no, that's I appreciate him. But with all his bizarreness and all his weirdness, what I appreciate about it is it's not just random shit. There's a meaning behind all of it. And I don't want I don't want to go into spoilers because you obviously haven't seen it. And I assume you'll watch it one day if you end up digging Lynch's stuff. Mm. But there's definitely a purpose behind Eraserhead. And once you kind of figure out what's going on here and what it represents it just adds a whole nother layer to the movie and it's great it's so fucking weird i would never recommend it to everyone anyone although it's the type of movie i would love to watch with somebody for the first time just to see the look of confusion on their face like mother something like that where you're just sitting there and they have no idea what the fuck they're watching because <laughs> god knows i was the same way the first time 
Um, and really, realistically, the second time, too. I, like, I'm sure I've just scratched the surface on that movie. But yeah, uh, it's great. Uh, I like it a lot. And uh, I mean, it's just Lynch being Lynch. No. Uh, oh, wait, no. I already gave a score, right? Did I? Yeah, no. Yeah, I did. For Twin Peaks, you did. Yeah. Oh yeah, hold on. Oh, whoops, we were we <laughs> we moved on. Shit, yes, it's a um, lynch block. Okay, uh, lynch block. Uh, sooner rather than later, since you know, like after season two, I'm gonna go and wander off to his movies. Is Eraserhead on the block? I don't know, but like Blue Velvet's over there, and you know, I feel like Mulholland Drive has just been calling to me. So hopefully, maybe that's on the Criterion Channel, but I doubt it. Out of ten. Yeah, I don't know if Lynch's stuff is on the Criterion channel or not. I don't think it is, unfortunately. But Mulholland okay. Drive's so popular, it's got to be somewhere streaming. So I imagine it will be. Um, but yeah, great movie. Uh, all right, so let me just jump into more movies now. I'll just start rattling stuff off. Let me know when you want to jump in. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, you know what? I'll just get it out of the way quick. The Batman. I watched it again. Listen to the spoiler <laughs> cast. Well, it's not really the spoiler cast, but it's the hour discussion we did with uh, you, me, and uh, good old Sean Mason. Batman's um, in the title. It counts. Yes, exactly. Uh, great. You know, I still love it. Still feel the exact same way about it. That's the fourth time I've seen it. I don't know if I'm going to see it again. I think I think four is good. I think we'll stop there. Um, I've got that uh, Steely from um, Amazon Italy on order. So I think whenever that comes in, we'll watch the 4K again. But I think I'm good for now. Okay. Mulholland Drive is on the Criterion channel. We are all good. We are all set. Nice. That's good to hear. Glad to Wonderful. hear. Wonderful. Okay. Uh, the Batman there's a special well i mean there's a do i still want to call that a special episode what that you know whatever i'm not going to worry about the title okay a special episode out of 10 cool uh it's still a 9 out of 10 for me 4.5 out of 5 so good stuff uh let's bundle a couple of movies together here <laughs> and may, maybe the my favorite bundle i've ever done of movies oh, ever God. Okay. so we've got requiem for a dream and paddington Hold on, it'll make sense in a second. I promise. So we'll start with Requiem for a Dream. First of all, first of all, shout out to Best Buy for sending a damaged steelbook. I fucking hate you, but we'll 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 survive. We'll forgive. We'll forgive and forget. Still a gorgeous steelbook, even with okay, Neil. Yeah, I'll I'll Druckmann that. Look, uh, Requiem for a Dream is just pure unfiltered depression, and I mean the movie makes you feel like such shit. And you, you kind of get like little bolts of like, oh, well, things are going good for these characters. But I mean, none of this is sustainable. This is not sustainable. So you're never really happy because you just know things are going to go to shit. And oh, boy, do they go to shit in an epic fashion. This is like the the second, the third time I think I've seen it. And God help me, I never want to watch it again. I really don't. It's <laughs> you just, walked into that rake three times. At least yes. the first time, maybe you didn't know the rake was there. Yeah. I, I mean, I heard it was bad. I didn't know it was that bad. But yeah, this is the third time. And hopefully the last. Uh, I will say, I will say, I, I sent a picture of it in the Discord. That 4K menu is so cool. It's like the infomercial for the for the show they do. Um, and it's cool. And I love that. But yeah, I have no desire to ever go back to that. Uh, and it's ugh, it's horrifying. So yeah, uh, Requiem's great. Uh, do you have any thoughts? Uh, Requiem for a Dream is a very good movie that I never want to watch again. Um, uh, my brain always remembers uh, three things. Um, I will we'll go into, you know what, no, we'll do a 10 second thing. So uh, three, two, one. Remember the rules. Usually skip forward like 10 seconds and it won't happen. Uh, here we go. Uh, the fridge. Uh, the fridge 
coming alive. Uh, the the shootout and running away from the camera and ass ass. I yes. think that was ten seconds. Okay, cool. I I, I, I was like, ah, please, please, just let it be ten seconds. And now I'm adding only this to elongate it longer if someone were to skip it. But yes, those three things have stuck in my brain for the longest amount of time. They live rent-free there, and I'm happy to give it back to them. Actually, you know what? Not even that. Just the opening of the movie as well lives rent-free in my brain. Because once you realize what's going on, it's like, oh, God, that's uh, that's really dark, and we're starting with that, huh? Only downhill from here. <laughs> yeah, no shit. So, Requiem, uh, horrifying out of 10. It's like a 9 out of 10, but yeah, never again, please. <laughs> Requiem for a Dream is, imagine if the D.A.R.E. program actually got you to stop smoking weed out of 10. Correct. So, I finished that, and I was like, well, I hate my life now. What can I do to feel some semblance of normalcy again? Some semblance of love. And that love comes in the form of Paddington. Everyone's favorite, Paddington. And yeah, I've seen this before. I, I, I watched this the second time watching it, and I still love it. It's amazing. It's the perfect family movie in every single way. It's great. It warmed me up. It made me feel less like shit. So God bless you, Paddington, for that. It's got the Steely. The Steely's amazing. I love it. I actually went on uh, eBay after. and I was like, man, I really want to watch Paddington 2. How cheap can I get this 4K? actually found it for pretty cheap it was like i think it was like 18 bucks so you son like, of a bitch i spent like 30 yeah it wasn't that bad so i was like shit this is awesome so i grabbed it from ebay free shipping it's from the uk so it's gonna take like a month to get here but now i too have the break glass in case of emergency button and i will for sure be using that on Paddington too actually there was a movie that somebody had told me about it i forget what it was and i was gonna bundle that with Paddington too but now i don't remember I'll pass the Discord later. There was something, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, Paddington's amazing. Son of a bitch. It really, it would have been $16 for me too. Fuck. Yeah, it, it's pretty cheap on eBay. <laughs> you think you got ripped oh, off? Well, you know what? Whatever, okay? Paddington, you deserve the double the price that I paid is what I'm going to tell myself and lie to myself about, and which I still, but yes, Paddington, phenomenal movie. Are you having a shitty day? Do you want to feel like it's worth living again? Paddington 2 exists, okay? So does Paddington 1. Um, it's such a heartwarming movie and it just reminds you, you know what? It could be a lot worse because you could have not watched Paddington today. It is, that's the thing. People are like, oh, is it a meme or not? Like, no, Paddington is actually just that good and that heartwarming that it makes you just really want to take care of this bear and just give him everything he needs and he will enrich your life in the movie or if you were actually watching it like if you're actually in the movie and you're taking care of paddington he's gonna make your life better are you watching paddington he's already making your life better this thing is a little beacon of light and as soon as we get paddington 3 i feel like we can finally put paddington right next to the before trilogy and the dark knight trilogy and lord of the rings trilogy as the greatest trilogies of all time okay and i don't know how much of that is me being ironic i think it may be like less than five percent of me saying that with irony but yes paddington phenomenal time paddington 2 again same thing it's going to be a breaking gla break glass moment where if i'm having a shitty enough day i will watch paddington 2 and remind myself maybe don't kill yourself at a time yeah paddington is 10 out of 10 scorsese cinema at its finest yes exactly kino kino uh okay let's do a let's do the david fincher block next so i've ooh, got ooh, um, ooh. mank and the game so we'll start with Mank. Uh, yeah, so this was a Netflix film that was, re well, was released exclusively on Netflix uh, back in 2020, I think. It was 2020. Um, hey, it's good. Uh, I like it. It's not up to the regular standards and what I expect from Finch. 
And a lot of people don't like this movie, and I really understand why. Like, it's slow at times, and there's really not a lot going on compared to, especially some of his other movies where, you know, you got the serial killer motives usually and stuff like that. And this is just about a guy trying to write Citizen Kane. Very different type of story. Um, I am interested. I wonder if this would have hit differently if I had watched Citizen Kane first. Citizen Kane's coming very soon, by the way. It's my thousandth movie. When I when I when I go to watch my thousandth movie and log in on Letterboxd, uh, I've chosen Ooh. Citizen Kane for that. That's so a good choice. Twenty, I think twenty four movies away now, so we're getting pretty close to that. Uh, but yeah, I'll be interested to see with this kind of fresh in my mind. Probably when I get to that point, um, what like if that changes my view on this at all because it's basically that that's what this movie is about one of the guys who wrote citizen kane uh but yeah it's good gary oldman is phenomenal love gary oldman he's great in this does an amazing job um and yeah this is just i mean it's a good movie it's lower tier finch venture for sure uh like I, I think i have it second to last of his movies uh it's still better than the panic room though i don't like panic room but uh yeah, there's a lot to like about this movie. There's some really good performances. It's shot gorgeously. It's black and white, which I'm watching a lot of black and white movies, and I really do like black and white movies. So, yeah, it's uh, good stuff. Mank exists. Is that one just... I look at it, and I'm like, this doesn't look like it'd be a Fincher movie. And then add to the fact that it was Netflix produced, it's enough for me to go, yeah, I have no idea when I'll watch you. And honestly, like, it's fine. Okay, whatever. Will I watch it at some point? Yeah, but I think I'd probably need to watch Citizen Kane first. I am, what, four movies away from 1100? I don't feel like that's enough of a milestone to do Citizen Kane, but uh, yeah, I don't know when I'll get to this. Will I ever even never get to it? I don't know. But yeah, that movie definitely exists. Yeah, so it's a like 7 out of 10 for me. All right, uh, so that's Mank. Um, and then let's talk about the game. A lot more positive on the game. Game's great, really great. Uh, it's Fincher. It's honestly, I think one of his more underrated movies. I really do feel that. And after watching it, I, I put it as my second favorite Fincher movie or sorry. Yes. Yeah, second. So say second, that could change after I rewatch fight club. Cause it's been a long time since I've seen fight club and that's coming eventually. So we'll see if that holds second, but for now it is, uh, I did just recently rewatch Zodiac and I do like it better than Zodiac. The thing I like so, like, okay, Fincher's got a very, like, he's got his thing for serial killers. He's got that same vibe. Like Mank, although better, this just feels like a very different type of Fincher movie, but still it has, like, a lot of his trademark things with it. Michael Douglas is phenomenal in this movie. He's so good. And I just love movies that make you question everything. Like, the basic plot of this movie, I'm not going to get into spoilers, obviously, because you haven't seen it, but Hmm. the basic plot is just a guy who has everything he's rich as fuck and his brother shows up and is like hey i didn't know what to get you so i got you this ticket for to play a game go play the game and that's all i'll say and everything we all lost yeah yeah yeah. everyone loses by the way right now fuck you um (laughs) and he he just doesn't and and just things go fucking nuts and crazy and bonkers and i love it and it makes you question everything and you know it's it's just a great movie the atmosphere is incredible uh, really good cinematography here. Really just sharp writing. And it all ends and it circles around. It ends in a really satisfactory way. And you'll actually... I, actually, I won't even say It's kind of a spoiler, so never mind. But it's really good. And I recommend, if you haven't seen this one, because a lot of people haven't. It's very early Fincher. Uh, I would definitely recommend checking this out. Because I think a lot of people kind of sleep on this movie. 
it's actually one of his only movies. I think maybe the only movie, shockingly, in the Criterion Collection. Uh, but it absolutely deserves to be there. That's what I ha- I bought the Criterion version of it. I've been rewatch. By the way, I've been watching all my Criterion movies. I only have one left now. Um, and yeah, this was just really, really well made and a great movie. Not streaming anywhere out of ten. God damn it! Oh my god, I really. Uh, I keep having so many Blu-rays over here that it's like I can't justify renting anything when I have just so much sitting there. Uh, the game, I will happily watch this at some point because Fincher feels like someone who I feel like I am so close to closing the loop on him. By the way, I'm not watching Alien 3. I'm not doing that. Like, that doesn't count as part of the loop. Whatever. That was, <laughs> that was a paycheck. That didn't exist to me. I'm not doing that. But, like, it, Fincher's actual movies, I want to close the loop on that. So the game... Yeah, that's the thing. We're in, what, March already? Yeah, I'm kind of glad that I didn't put a uh, New Year's resolution on any movies right now because, uh, you know, ugh, fucking Elden Ring came in and just demolished things before. But, yeah, um, I feel like I should sit down and try to close the loop on some directors. Fincher might be the one that I want to choose then. Yeah, he's an easy one to do because he doesn't have a giant filmography either, although apparently not if he does, his shit's not streaming anywhere, unfortunately. Um... <laughs> But yeah, the game, that sucks that the game's not streaming anywhere. Uh, it's weird because we were looking at that and it's streaming in Canada on Netflix, I think it was too. So Americans oh, got dicked by that one. I don't really have that much that I would need to close the loop with. I would need The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Mank the Game, and Panic Room. All right. Well, the two two really good movies there, in my opinion. The other two are... Oh, I, oh sorry. Uh, no, yeah. Yeah, two really good, one pretty good, and then... Eh. But, I mean, it'll be a good time. Uh, I'm assuming the eh is um, Panic Room. Yeah, I mean, people actually like Panic Room, so maybe that's just me, but I was not a fan of that one at all. So all of these are streaming except the game. So hey, that might be you know, that might be an idea. You know, I'm sorry, Twin Peaks, but uh, maybe the girl in the dragon tattoo sneaks in. I don't know. I don't know maybe yeah, you can always do both. I always like to do a TV series in a movie. Uh, true, but like, uh, look, my wife can handle only so much, you know. So that's true. That's if true. I disap- I can disappear for long stretches of time, but like that was uh, the long stretches of time was for Elden Ring. I don't know if I can do that for for two weird things with Twin Peaks and David Fincher. No, I I, I don't. I, those movies you list, I don't think any of them are that weird. No, okay. But here's the thing, though: do they sound weird? Because just imagine that you're in a house and then like three rooms down you just have an entire sound system of just yelling nah, i mean fair i mean the game's kind of weird i guess in a way too but the other three like makes certainly not makes just normal panic room i don't like, think would be that bad the girl with the dragon tattoo you admit yeah you know a girl with the dragon tattoo you're gonna get some noises out of that for sure good movie though. really good movie by the way just because i feel like we're already on the topic of noises um Itumama Tambien, The Handmaiden, and Portrait of a Lady on Fire all being somewhat sexually charged. It's just like, oh man, the sound system is just playing this really loudly, huh? <laughs> yeah, I had to, I mean, we'll talk about The Handmaiden later, but I had to turn the volume down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's reasonable. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, uh, yeah, we're done with it. that, right? Yeah, uh-huh. all right. Uh, I'm just going to get this out of the way now. I watched The Sword and the Sorcerer uh, with my dad because he wanted to watch it. Uh, I mean, it's 80s fucking titillating schlock. Like, that's it's what they tried to make. It's it's, it's bad. It's bad. It's not funny. The, the guy has the guy's three. The, the guy has a sword of three blades. I mean, you know what you're getting into when you have a sword with fucking three blades. <laughs> and then I, I gave it like two stars out of five. And then I looked at my my dad's letterbox because he's on there now. And he gave it a five out of five. And I almost blocked him. 
That's, that's all. <laughs> I have never even heard of this movie. I'm not even going to pretend to say anything about it ahead of time. All right, great. Moving on. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, Shin Godzilla. Um, okay, okay, so okay. this is from, uh, Hideki, how do I say his name? Hideki? Uh, Hideki Anno. I know. Thank you. Hideki Anno, the creator of Eva. Yeah, that's that guy. Uh, he decided to do He's a Godzilla funny. movie. Um, Hey, it's pretty good. I liked it. Uh, it was oh. an interesting take on Godzilla. Uh, it was fun. Uh, there was a lot of interesting things about this movie. Uh, there is, they, they use the Eva song in it that made me want to die. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Ooh, that, that, what a legend. Yeah. That's just the done. Don, 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 don. Oh, like, oh, wait. He oh, used no. the fight theme? Yes, yes, yes. And I'm King. Just like, uh, King. Uh, what a fucking legend. <laughs> like, uh, it was the dog in the Vietnam flashback. Fucking Jim was like, oh, no, no, no. But yeah, it's it's good. I, it's interesting because, again, you haven't seen this, so I'll, I'll tread carefully, but there's multiple phases of Godzilla in this. And he starts off looking really goofy as fuck. And, like, it actually bothered me. But by the end, he looks really cool and scary. And, yeah, Godzilla-like. Uh, and I, it sold me on it. Um, the only thing I'll say about it is... I, I, it, this is weird to say, especially after Eva. But I kind of wish he went darker with it. Like, I kind of wish it was a little darker. It was a little... I was just expecting kind of some more fuckery and we didn't quite get that fuckery. I was expecting from like end of Eva or something like that. And I mean, he's probably, I mean, he's probably handcuffed a bit because it's Godzilla. I'm sure there's only so much he can do with that license, but I mean, that's the kind of thing that's ripe to just get really fucked with. I feel if you could, and it doesn't quite go that extra mile, but it was still enjoyable. I liked it. Uh, I saw Shin Godzilla and it was 10 bucks on Amazon as soon as you said the Eva song play because it's like, oh my fucking God, are you kidding me? He, can you do that? Is that legal? Like, Lord, My Lord, is that legal? Um, <laughs> it was $10. I was like, I'm gonna do it. And then I remembered, do you remember how many DLC songs of Rock Band you, you just bought right now? What the fuck is wrong with you? I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I should not buy Shin Godzilla for $10. Thank you, Brain. I'm going to stop myself. So, yeah, uh, I almost bought Shin Godzilla while listening to this out of 10. I don't know if there's anything else I could say. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, it's a 7 out of 10 for me. Good movie. Uh, what next? What next? What next? What next? What next? Let's do, you know, let, let's get this out of the way, too. Let's do Windfall. Uh, okay. This is a Netflix original movie. Um, it's it's so mid. Do you mind if I spoil <laughs> this one, Ed? I don't care. That that remember yeah. that when it comes to spoiling things, if you think it sucks that bad that you need to spoil yeah. it, that kind of says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. So I, I need to spoil this one because th this this the ending for this pisses me off so much. So I'm gonna go ahead and spoil this. So uh, if you actually care, three, two, one. The next timestamp for whatever the next thing is. Yeah, I can't even think of a fucking dumb spoiler to throw out here. Look, I'm just gonna get into it. So look, the entire movie is this premise where it's like this guy's in this billionaire's house, this like tech billionaire's house. He's We've stealing some there. money from him. The tech billionaire gets home, who's played by um oh fuck, what's his name? Meth Damon, Fat Damon, uh fuck, fuck, fuck. Uh, Jesse Plemons, Jesse Plemons, thank you. Uh, so Jesse, <laughs> you're Plemons, saying thank you. I didn't even say a word, but okay. Yeah, continue. I'm thinking. My, I'm, th I'm thinking myself. Um, oh, Obama, go, uh, Obama, uh, warning Obama. <laughs> yeah, public masturbate. Um, <laughs> Jesse Plemons, isn't it? And he's good, by the way. He's like the best part of this movie. I like him. Uh, but you've got Jason Segel in here too, and then the girl Lily Harris, Lily Sing? Davis. I think. No, that's not it. She's Sing, Lily Singh isn't the good one. Continue. Yeah, uh, she's fine in this too. 
Uh, but yeah, so anyways, the whole, so you basically got this plot and then they, so they, they end up coming home and he holds them at gunpoint and basically forces them to stay. Things get out of hand. He wants more money. It's your typical, it's, it's trying to be a Hitchcockian like thriller and it misses the mark most of the time. It's fine, but it misses the mark. It's not a good enough script. The director's not talented enough to make this work, but then the ending is so bad. Like I don't understand why, but it's like the ending makes the, the ending. I feel like I want you to hate the billionaire, Jesse Plemons character. And I don't know why you would like, he's kind of a dick throughout the movie. Yeah. Like he's kind of a douchebag. Like he tries to like solve things with money, but he's never like outrageously over the top evil or anything like that. He's just a rich guy who wants to enjoy his fucking vacation, which like, okay, let him do that. And at the very end, it just has like his girlfriend come and fucking kill him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and take the money for herself and leave. And it's like, okay, like that escalated out of nowhere. I, I don't quite understand why you suddenly decided to kill him. Um, and yeah, well, it's because just, he's rich. He's evil. Naturally. Yeah. It's so lazy, man. It's so lazy. And it just, ah, oh, like I already thought the movie was like fine and fine to mid. And then that just happened. It's like, oh my God, this is bad. And like, yeah, I didn't see it coming. So props for that, but it was very good. So yeah, that just just the midest of mid Netflix original shit. Yeah. Uh, the score I'm going to give this out of hearing that is I'm going to give it a um, a nice movie for a wine mom to put on during Sunday when they're not paying attention out of ten. That's true. That's uh, like a two out of five for me. Uh, okay, when you uh, let's bang through this one quick. I saw the Lost City. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I saw oh. Lost City. I, mean, I guess <laughs> here's the thing. I like going to the movie theater. And even if it isn't like the best movie, I just like the experience. I like the popcorn. You know, I just like the experience. And I, I mean, yeah, the popcorn didn't save this one. It's mid <laughs> at its finest. I mean, literally the only good part about this movie is Brad Pitt's like basic appearance and cameo for like the first like 10, 15 minutes. He's actually hilarious in this. Uh, and as soon as his character is no longer around in the movie anymore, it just plummets in quality really fast. I don't remember laughing much after that. Uh, I mean, it's fine, I guess, at points. Uh, and I will give it credit. Daniel Radcliffe is like the villain is like better. It was a better Uncharted villain than Uncharted had. So, I mean, he probably should have just been in that movie. And that actually would have been like it would have made this one worse than Uncharted better. But I like Uncharted more. So fine. Do that. But I don't know. This is just so mid. I have nothing to add. This is no movie that I'm ever going to think about. I honestly, even when you were speaking about it, I feel like the title already left my head out of 10. Yeah, another like this is two and a half out of five. Just, I don't know. Mid movie. Uh, All right, let's move on. Let's talk about some good stuff now. Let's go back to the top here. Let's talk about La La Land. La La Land. Uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Chazelle's second movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, fantastic. I love this movie. It still holds up really well for me. It's my second time watching it. it was my second time watching it. Gorgeous steel book, by the way. God, it's gorgeous. If you haven't seen it, um, the music in this is all just so good. I love jazz music. So I mean, you're just speaking to my soul right off the top there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a fantastic story. I love it. What they managed to accomplish with it, and the characters, and just—I mean, obviously, I'm not going to get into spoilers right now, but what they managed to kind of circle and circle out, and the meaning of it, and just the kind of themes of it are all really, really great. I feel, and yeah, I just love this movie. 
I think it's a lot of fun, uh, when, except when it's not. <laughs> um, and I can't wait to see what's next for him. I think, uh, you know, Chazelle's made three really solid movies, fantastic movies, even in the, for the most part. Uh, and he's got a new one coming out, I think, this year. So it'll be wait, very exciting to see where we go with that. Um, I think if I'm ranking his movies, I think I stand pat on what I've said earlier. I think it's Whiplash, then La La Land, then First Man for me. And See, I, I would swap the bottom two. Yeah, no, I know that. You like First Man more. I'd watch First Man again sometime and see if it changes, but I, I think biopics are always going to be a tougher sell for me. And uh, there's just something about La La Land, man. That jazz music is just, it speaks to me. Okay, hold on. Babylon. Uh limited release on december 25th 2022 let's fucking go oh my god this is gonna be a great christmas gift from daddy chazelle oh hell yes i mean my fingers are crossed actually because I, I plan on going to toronto international film festival this year and i really hope that's gonna be there i really hope that is one that could be so that, my fingers are crossed for that one. Ooh, that sounds like that could work okay um so la la land i watched this one in theaters twice um i don't remember how it happened i feel like one time i watched it normal the next time i watched it in imax either way loved it both times that ending still brings down the house every single fucking time um although every subsequent time that i've watched it i've liked it less and less and it usually happens by the time that um john legend shows up and it feels like, you know what, let's just say this. I'll leave it here because I may want to go into spoilers to explain that. But basically, I feel like the second half of the movie ends up suffering. And then eventually it just starts coming back up around the ending. And then the ending saves it just completely. So La La Land, I've actually kind of stopped wanting to watch it because I feel like every time I watch it, I just like it less and less. So, um Yes, La La Land, still a phenomenal movie. That steelbook is absolutely just fucking great still. So La La Land, absolutely a worthwhile movie. Just maybe, you know, don't watch it more than five times. Um, okay, so three, two, one. I don't like John Legend at all. I Whenever John Legend shows up and just ruins shit, um, it's kind of annoying because, like, I... Well, first off, I don't know if it's that I find him annoying or if it's whatever he's doing in the movie is annoying. I don't know. I just don't like him. Uh, I don't like that the movie actually gives him a whole ass song that is... I really hate this fucking song. I hate the song that he has in there because, like, the movie positions it so much as, like, yeah, this is what we don't want jazz to sound like, but then you give him an entire musical number for the entire, like... It's not even condensed. Like, you give him an entire three minutes to do his song, and... It feels like, yeah, well, we got John Legend, so we need to give him his entire song. No, fuck John Legend. Don't give him his entire song. Um, I don't like the conflict between the two of them, uh, between, uh, oh, my God. I remember, shit, Emma Stone? Yeah, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. I don't like their conflict because it's like, he, okay, hold on. How do I explain this? actors are supposed to sell out actors you would need to sell out first before you actually go and you can be choosy with whatever you can be picky with whatever roles they give you and it kind of seems like whenever she's like oh well you sold out you're playing music with john legend it's kind of weird to me because it's like well 
you're an actor like you would have to sell out too that's why your one woman show bombed like it it felt weird because it feels like if i were in that room i would have make, been making different arguments like shut up you do realize that sometimes you need to sell out to make money so then you can do the passion projects that you want you're doing a fucking tv show that's basically a ripoff of uh the show from pulp fiction like you can't be in any position to talk emma stone you're being a hypocrite here too and the problem is that this ends up breaking my brain for a little bit that it isn't until like john legend finally gets out of the picture that i finally start caring about the characters again but it's such a weird turn for me now it's like you're kind of being a hypocrite here and even though that's still a really well acted scene between those two actors it still rings hollow to me because at that point i'm like i could be doing this argument better than you can (laughs) So, okay. So for, for John Legend, first of all, I kind of, it's weird, but I almost feel like the Don Draper meme where it's like, I don't even think about you at all. Like he, I, he's just not in it that much for me. Like, yeah, he has that song. I get it. Then if you don't like the song, that's one thing, but I, I, like, what is he in it for like 10 minutes total? Maybe. But that's the thing. His presence directs the movie in a different direction. In it a does. No, direction. it definitely, it definitely swings in a different direction, but I guess I didn't mind that direction. Um, and I, and I don't hate the character. I mean, he's there. It's just there. It's not amazing or anything like that, but I mean, it swings in that direction as for the fight with them. I don't know. The only thing I can say to that is I feel like, I feel that it kind of makes sense in a way because you're right. Emma Stone would have to sell out, but she hasn't had any success yet. Yeah. Success. Yeah. Yet. That's why. That's why. Yeah, that's <laughs> she why. hasn't so she sold knows. out. Yeah. So she, she has, she doesn't know yet. Like she, she's naive. She, she has no idea yet that he has to do these things. And I also think it's more than just that too. Like, I think like obviously the big, the big pitchfork and things, is the fact that the dude's always going to be on the road now and she doesn't want to go with him and give up her attempt and her life at this. And it just drives a wedge. And I don't know, that just felt real. Are they me. teenagers? Can they not see each other? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure they could, but it's long distance. Shit's hard, man. I mean, long distance shit just doesn't work that often. Have you been? Did you see all of summer in this movie? They would be able to make it work. Yeah, I mean, you got you got summer. That's true. I don't know. I I, I just I I felt like they were just to me. It never felt like watching that movie. It just never felt like they were right for each other. And I feel like when you kind of get that ending, where you kind of see that alternate future and alternate path, where they could have ended up together. But I think it was the right move that they didn't because, you know, they both got happy careers out of it. They both got their own thing to do. She ended up with a, like a, with a different man and a kid and he ended up with his own bar and they got to flourish and, and live their lives and do good. So I, I don't know. I just appreciated that look at it and the feeling that, hey, you know what? Like these two could be important for a time in their lives and set each other in the right direction, but that doesn't mean they were right for each other, as tough as it is. To be fair, I feel like that ending kind of solidifies that they could have been right for each other. It's just that they decided not to be. Like they, that ending to me just kind of tells me, oh, you guys would have worked out completely fine. You guys would have had to sacrifice your dreams, but you would have been sacrificing one dream for another. And the ending to me is that you guys made your choice. You guys decided to sacrifice each other for your career dreams. And that ending to me is telling me, but you guys could have easily sacrificed your dreams for each other. And I think that's what it is. It's just the ending is like, you couldn't have both. And that's okay with me. I'm okay with them not being able to have both. My only issue is that, like, okay, the whole, I don't know how I feel about the him missing the one man show, because I also feel like 
you could have just made a phone call or something, right? Like, yeah, you, yeah, that was stupid. That that I, I don't like that. Like that was a very easy uh, problem to avoid. <laughs> like, oh no, I'm taking photos. Like he he had enough. Like he had intentions of going to it. Like he did. He could have just easily just sent a text like, "Hey, sorry," or literally, "It's a photo shoot." It's John Legend. Did you see that concert? You could totally go do a line of heroin and then just run out of there screaming and everyone just be like, yeah, that's just him doing that thing now, whatever. Like, I assume a whole bunch of musical artists can just do whatever the fuck they want and he can't avoid a photo shoot. Like, John Legend specifically seeked you out to play with him. You probably have a little bit of leverage to walk away and then come back like, ah, sorry, let's do those photos again. Yeah, that that scene definitely felt a little... uh a little forced because that was just handled terribly by him. And I mean, maybe that's realistic. Maybe he's just an idiot and didn't want to handle it the right way, but I don't know. Like that, that just seemed like an easy, <laughs> an easy problem to avoid for sure. Also, you're Ryan Glossing, like literally just give them one smile, then walk out. Like there's like, just use this photo over and over again. Photoshop me with different lighting, whatever, who cares? Uh, right. See, Ryan Glossing has got that uh, with great power comes great responsibility with his smile. He can't just use it willy nilly. <laughs> Either way, uh, La La Land, man, I, I I just don't like John Legend. And every single time that my wife and I have rewatched it recently, anytime he shows up, we're just like, all right, skip forward. Just, eh, eh, eh. all right, here's the dinner scene. All good. Skip forward. Eh, eh, eh. And then we get to the ending. Because, uh, I don't know, man, like, it, I enjoy sadness. But for some reason, it feels so much like a slog in the second half every time that I rewatch it. I still really like the movie. I still really like the Steelbook. I'm just terrified of if I were to keep watching it, that Steelbook would not stay on the shelf. Yeah, that's fair. So probably, you know, don't watch it anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, no, it, it stays on there. Yay, I still like it. We, I hope I never have to question getting rid of the Steelbook. Yeah, I mean, gorgeous Steelbook too. So that's not that's not one you'd want to get rid of. Exactly. Uh, La La Land, Best Buy Steelbook, if you want to look it up. Uh, it is not the white one. It is the new purple one. Okay, uh, so yeah. La La Land is going to be a, a Damien Chazelle, ooh, 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 out of 10. Yeah, it's a solid 8 out of 10 for me. Just a really great movie. I like it a lot. Okay. Uh, um, I have one, two, three, yes. four, five things left. Yeah, I've still got way more. So Carry on. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, I'll, I'll carry on. Uh, actually, not as much as I thought, though. Let's do another block here. Let's do the... Uh, actually, okay, hold on. i got to make sure I say his name right, or I'm going to get murdered. So, one mm-hmm. sec. Okay, Ingmar Bergman block. Let's do our Ingmar Bergman block. The right, Swedish nice. director. Famous Swedish director. So, uh, I watched The Seventh Seal and Scenes from a Marriage. Here's why. Uh, I was I, I bought a bunch of movies in the last Criterion sale. They were about like 20, 28 to 30 bucks each. And free shipping, which was cool. And after all that, I was like, okay, uh, let me check Amazon because I know they have criterias too, but they're never on sale here. Like I know Amazon in the States get theirs on sale. Ours never goes on sale. They're all really expensive. They're like 38 to like 45 bucks. So I never buy from Amazon unless I really want it. But I was searching and the seventh seal popped up and it was only $24. And I was like, wow, that's like really fucking cheap for a criterion. Why is it so cheap? Couldn't figure it out. So I was like, well, fuck it. I mean, for $24, I'm going to buy it and see if I like it. Scenes from a Marriage, on the other hand, after I watched The Seventh Seal, I'm like, I, mean, I wonder if I have anything else of his on streaming. And sure enough, uh, Scenes from a Marriage was on Crave. So I added that to watch this. I was like, well, fuck it. Let's do a thing here. So, Seventh Seal. Uh, this was incredible. So the only other Bergman movie I'd seen was Persona, which I liked. 
didn't love it. I have issues with it. This was just a whole other level for me. And it was so cool to see. So this movie was made back in 1957. And it's basically about a knight who returns home from war. And the plague is just taking over everything and killing everything and killing everyone. And yeah. And his time is up basically. And death comes to take him, but he challenges death to a game of chess and basically says, Hey, if I, if I beat you, you, you got to spare me. If you beat me, then you can take me. And it kind of just goes from there. And it's so much more than that though. There are, there's so many, iconic things from this movie i didn't even realize the pop culture has just completely ripped off like i didn't know Um, you talking about the chess game was my lightning bulb like my light bulb moment of oh shit is that where that's from yeah yeah there's so many things of this uh like i guarantee you might not know ed what the dance of death is but after you watch this movie i guarantee you've seen something that's parodied it or had it in it and to actually see it in this movie is maybe one of the coolest fucking, like, it's one of my favorite shots of, of any movie I've ever seen. And it's such a cool scene. I mean, there's just so much to love about this movie. There's so much you could dig into and talk about. It's such a complicated movie. And there's so much depth to it. I, I feel woefully inadequate to talk about it after only seeing it just once. So it's something I'll definitely have to rewatch and kind of get different interpretations on. But uh, it, it's an incredible movie. And I think it's one that everyone should watch because it's just, it's timeless in that sense. It doesn't, it, it holds up incredibly well. And uh, yeah, it's just great. Ingmar Bergman will be something I get to eventually. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> Uh, let's do this so seventh seal on the criterion channel and hbo max wow that's that's awesome maybe i'll actually use hbo max so it's not in fucking stereo like it is on criterion okay yeah uh, all of ingmar all of ingmar uh, bergman's stuff is on the criterion channel well you know what um who the fuck knows when i'm gonna watch this because i still have persona on uh, criterion blu-ray who the fuck knows when i'm getting tips i don't know i'm jesus christ my ability to watch stuff is ruined for a while that's fair uh so it's a nine out of ten for me um and i assume it's a you'll get to it eventually out of ten or something correct like that. <laughs> yes that is accurate uh, okay, and then scenes from a marriage. So now this one's a little bit more interesting. So I actually didn't know this. I, so I started it. I watched it. And then somebody told me there's actually a TV version of it that's five hours long. That's basically a lot more in depth. And then they made a cinematic cut of it. So I didn't realize, but I was actually watching the cinematic cut. Uh, so I definitely, the criterion for this has both the TV version and the cinematic version. So this is definitely something I'm going to get in the future now when there's another Criterion sale because I do want to watch the TV version. Uh, what was here in the film version, though, very, very good. Uh, I liked it a lot. It's definitely a little slow at times. It's not for everyone. It's basically all dialogue all the time. Uh, but it's just a very real and raw look at relationships and just basically one that has issues and could end. And there's one scene in particular that just might be the harshest, like, oh, I don't even want to spoil it. It's not even really a spoiler, but I, I just don't even want to say it because if you go into it and you, you, when you finally watch it, you'll know what I mean. But it's just, I don't think I've ever felt as shitty 
during a movie in a long time is watching that scene. It just, it's like, it, it feels like you shouldn't be there. You're like watching somebody's lives falling apart. You're like, oh, I really shouldn't be here. I'm Ooh, just going like. to go read a book and ignore mom and dad fighting. And it's just fucking awful. But yeah, it's great. Uh, I highly recommend it for anyone that likes that sort of thing. And I feel like uh, the TV version will be interesting to see exactly what they cut out because this version is almost three hours long. So they basically cut out two hours to uh, to fit into a cinematic format. So it'll be interesting. Motherfucker. this It's not anywhere, the TV miniseries. Uh, wait, no, hold on. It says Criterion. Hold on. Let me check Criterion app and see. Because if it is, holy shit, that's going to be the... Oh, wait, hold on. <laughs> I'm dumb. I'm looking at the streaming folder on my phone, and I'm like, wait a minute, the Criterion channel's not there. What the hell? And then I remembered that as a joke, I put the Criterion channel in its own folder called Kino. So uh, good job. I tricked myself on that one. Oh, hell yes. All six episodes are there. Yes. God bless the Criterion channel every single day of my life. Uh, I don't know when I'm going to watch that. You know, it's been long enough since I've seen Kramer versus Kramer. So I may be willing to watch something again that reminds me that Love is Dead out of 10. Never heard of that movie. I'm going to have to look that up. <laughs> oh, Kramer versus Kramer? No, I haven't. No. So oh, no, no. Yeah. Kramer versus Kramer just reminds you that um, your parents never loved each other in the first place and Perfect. it was right for them to leave each other. Perfect. Fantastic. All right. Uh, Wait, have you seen other... Marriage Story? No, not yet. That's on my list, too. Okay, yeah. If you just back to back those two, you're just like, wow, huh? Maybe being alone is the right idea. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, it's an eight out of ten for me. Definitely could go up after the TV series, though. So we'll see. All right, uh, I still got a lot left. Uh, what can I do next? Uh, let's do. Uh, let's talk about "Sorry to Bother You." Okay. Um, okay. Oh, oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, there, there's a scene I want to talk about. Yeah, I, I can't talk about it. But I mean, you could. Really, it's just you know, spoilers. I mean, I can't. I, I can't say it. It's funny. It's funny though. Really fucking funny. Oh uh, yeah, this movie's great though. Honestly, I was not expecting to enjoy this movie half as much as I did. But man, it's just funny as shit. Uh, really unique too. Uh, it's a comedian rapper that I guess that made this. It's his first movie, Boots something or other. Boots, Boots Riley, Riley, I think. Boots Riley, yeah. So I'll be interested to see what he does next. But this was great. Like very unique movie <laughs> like it just the energy parts, yeah just there's an energy to this movie and the lead actor in this movie i can't think of his name now it's lakeel lakeel something i think um lakeith stanfield yes yes i like him a lot man he's in a lot of good shit a lot of kino yes. shit he's in smaller role in uncut gems but he's great in that too yes and uh yeah man i like him a lot and he's fantastic in this I don't know. I just I wasn't expecting something so weird and quirky and somehow just funny as shit. This was great. Sorry to bother you. It's just something I remember seeing the trailers for. I'm like, ah, that's going to be real funny. I guess I'll get to watch it later. And I think I watched it maybe about two years ago. And I just remember sitting down and finally watching it. I'm like, yeah, this is really funny. And then at some point, the movie takes a turn. You're like, I didn't know we were going here. Everything's so brand new here. I'm a little scared. Is there a payphone so I can call my mother to help me? Um, I feel like that is enough that I want to say. And even that may have been too much. But shall we go into spoilers now? Do you want to count it down? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, so spoilers for Sorry to Bother You coming now. Three, two, one. My God, those horse people have giant fucking schlongs. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, fuck the first of all, the, the, ending of this, yeah, the, the ending of this movie is hilarious. Just that he fucking randomly turns into the horse person at the end. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, oh, oh, oh by the way, Army Hammer or Ar- Arnie Hammer, like, I mean, I, I actually believe he's not acting. I think this is just, really, <laughs> you know, along he, the, he just, they just hide <laughs> they the parts where he's like, house. Yeah, they're, they're just hiding the parts where he's like eating people as well. But like, I think this is like completely <laughs> accurate to his character. <laughs> to, to accurate to him as a person accurate to him as a person yes this character uh but yeah i don't know fuck this movie is so weird but i loved it oh but yeah um i forget it's been so long since i watched it but i forget what the racial allegory is it is it basically that black people are getting co-opted by it, it's basically get out but done way better right yeah it, it, it get out but it's like that's actually really good i saw somebody mention that and it feels like a more funny uh, just I don't know, fun version of Get Out, and I loved it. Yeah, it's actually, it's exactly what it is, though. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I just remembered him rapping, and he just says the N-word over and over again, and I just repeat it back to him. <laughs> that, that's the scene I was talking about. <laughs> oh, my God. That yeah. scene is oh gold. All the of them are just like, yeah, this is rap. We can say it. It's like, ah, this is great. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's Well, we're in spoilers now, but, yeah, the scene is basically like he's just – He's, 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 no, no, it's N word shit. It's N word shit. Oh my God. Okay. It's, yeah. it's clicking in my brain. So Ar- Ar- Arnie Hammer is just like, Hey, can you rap like for these people? And he's like, no, no, I can't rap. I don't know how to rap. I'm a bad rapper. Like, I, and then Arnie Hammer's not, just like, not, well, not you're all, black. Of course you do. Yeah, yeah. He's like, no, not all black people can rap. He's like, no, no, just, just rap for us. So he's like, so he gets up there and he starts trying to rap and he's doing a terrible job. And there's just this entire group of like white people just looking at him. And it's so awkward. And then finally he just starts screaming out, Edward shit, Edward shit, Edward, Edward, Edward shit. And then he starts screaming it back. It's fucking ridiculous, but it's so funny. Oh, I God. love that scene. That scene, honestly, oh. every single time that I see it pop up, either on Twitter or Facebook or anywhere, every time I see it, it fucking makes me laugh because I'm just like, <laughs> this is, I hate how probably accurate this is. Oh, yeah. I oh, hate yeah. how there's probably a subsection of people who are just like, I heard the N word in the rap song, so I really like it now. It's like, ah, ah. <laughs> But yeah, oh my god, man, that that scene is great. Um, now that I've made the connection of Get Out, but you know, good or better, uh, you know, I'm gonna say better because Get Out is still good. It's just that I have my problems with the fact that it doesn't get better than what it is. Uh, but yeah, uh, man, call. I was about to say, call me by your name. Uh, sorry to bother you. Is so damn fun, and it's also such a very good cutting satire and. Uh, eventually seeing that they turn into horses i assume that's basically a metaphor for them being workhorses i don't know it's been two years since i've seen it i don't really remember that much uh, that sounds right honestly I, I think that's pretty accurate um but yeah just a, a great overall movie it's so unique and i, I mean if, if you're not if, if anyone can really watch this it's great stuff so it's enjoyable I it. <laughs> no, that's the thing. Don't be a pussy. You can watch this one. Like, honestly, I would imagine that this would be a movie that if it were bigger, it would get the uh, guy with a hat sitting in his car recording uh, like a, a rant about it. Uh, yeah, treatment. absolutely. But like, that that's what I mean. Like, if you have those people pissed off, they're probably little pussies about watching most shit. It's just like, ah, I want to watch Tim Mellon's Man of the House. Like, that's what I want to watch. Like whatever, shut up. It's fine. You can have you can have movies that politically disagree with you, but as long as they're entertaining, that's all that matters. And yeah, this movie's damn entertaining. Exactly. exactly. No, I completely agree. So, so uh, this is going to be an N word shit at ten. 
<laughs> it's an eight out of ten for me. Great movie. Loved it. All right, let's keep chipping it down. Uh, following. So I watched Following, Christopher Nolan's first film, his first Simp. film. Simp. Uh, Simp. Yeah, I literally, I literally, I literally paid thirty eight dollars for this fucking hour and ten minute movie just to have it. And stuff. Yeah, there's no bigger simp than me. Uh, look, it's uh, uh, humble. Be- have you seen this by the way? Or no, I forget. No, I have not. I no, honestly, okay. whenever I close the loop on Nolan, I will not be counting the following. Fair enough. Um, yeah, look, humble beginnings for Nolan. It's definitely very early on in his career. I mean, he literally made this movie for six thousand dollars. So, I mean, you, you, that's what you have to expect a movie that's made for six thousand uh, dollars. But it's good. I really enjoy it. Uh, I listened to the director's commentary uh, this time because I've seen it a couple times before and it was very insightful. Uh, God Emperor Nolan was very uh, gracious with his time and uh, explaining uh, everything he did. And uh, it was very enjoyable. Also on the Criterion, there was a short of his from film school called Doodlebug. Uh, absolute masterpiece. Absolute masterpiece. It's uh, It shows where Nolan is going to go with his career it's actually not very good i'm just memeing but uh, yeah it was very interesting and uh yeah uh following i mean i don't really have much more to say it's his first film it's good it's, it's got some hitchcockian vibes to it uh I, I don't expect anything amazing out of it but i mean i'd watch it if you have a way to watch it for free so hold on following is on the criterion collection it's an hour 10 uh okay maybe Maybe. I, I, I wrote it off very quickly. I kind of thought that I'd have to put in effort to find it, but it is on the Criterion channel. Also, uh, I feel like this may be a spoiler. Uh, you know, no, I'm not even going to mention it. I'm not going to mention it, but there's a different edit that's there that reminds me, oh, yeah, Nolan did this, huh? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I, okay, cool. I, I don't want to accidentally spoil it because there's a different movie that uh, has that same thing, and I would consider yeah. that a spoiler for that. So, um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give following a um, the criterion thinks that Nolan peaked with his first movie out of 10. <laughs> it's a seven out of 10 for me. Good stuff. All right. Still got, got 12 left. left. We'll keep well, going. Fuck. Keep going. <laughs> uh, okay. You know what? I'm going to put this here now and, and I'm going to explain why. And I'm not going to spend long on it and I'll also explain why. So I watched The Godfather part one and part two. Oh. oh. And here's the thing. I feel like it's a disservice to try talk about the Godfather in like 10 minutes and rush through it. Who are we? Yeah, it is. So it's the kind of thing where you either just have to cliff note it and mention it quickly and just, you know, very briefly talk about it, or you need to go into depth. And obviously we don't have time to go into depth, but Mm -hmm. I mean, what is there else to say about the Godfather? They're masterpieces. I got the 4k cuts, put them in the steel books. They're fantastic. Visually, they look incredible on 4K. It's easily the best this movie's ever looked. And yeah, it's just The Godfather, man. I mean, there's nothing... I don't know if there's a more important film in cinema history than The Godfather. Probably, maybe a couple. Citizen Kane would be literally maybe the only one. Yeah, Citizen Kane, that's probably it. Like, there's just not... When when you think of movies, you think... A lot of people think of The Godfather. And they're both basically masterpieces at what they do. They're impeccably acted, and they're 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 as close to perfect movies as you can get. So, I mean, it's The Godfather. That's literally all. Look, hold on. Look, I'm just gonna take long pauses in between my words, just so the timestamp for The Godfather doesn't look too short compared. To the rest of the topics. 
I'm literally wasting time right now. I just want to make sure that the timestamp for Godfather looks a lot nicer than it is. It's the fucking Godfather 1 and 2. There's nothing I could say or Addy could say that would tell you what the Godfather is. What the fuck is wrong with you? Just watch the Godfather. Like, that's that's it. I'm not going to say anything else. Anything else would be a disrespect to just knowing that the Godfather is what the fuck the Godfather is. Godfather 1 and 2, Godfather, both of them. Kino. Kino out of 10. Nothing. We're not adding anything here for, for there. Yeah, we're done. Keynote at 10. Uh, okay. Moving on. What do we talk about next? Ah, uh, fuck me. Let's talk about, let's talk about West Side Story. Um, okay. I liked it, actually, a lot more than I expected to. It surpassed my expectations. And Wait, it's actually remake? Remake. Okay. Um, it's actually one of my favorite movies of 2021. It's just out of the top 10 now, but it's close, and I really enjoyed it. I might just be a sucker for the Romeo and Juliet story, honestly. Like, I really mm-hmm. do like that. Like, there's something about it that's just so timeless. And when it's done even just well enough, it's good. It's tragedy. It's tragic. It's, it's gone know. on for about 600 years now. So, like, I think the, at this point, it might just be one of the goaded stories. Yeah, there's a reason for it, man. It's just really well made. And, you know, this is a good adaptation of it. You know, Steven Spielberg, you know, he put some nice direction to this. There's good music. There's great set design, great pieces. The music's really good. I mean, it's West Side Story, though. If you've seen the original, you don't really need to see this. But I enjoyed it, and I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I will say, and here's the hot take, uh, Ansel Elgort, Egort, um, I like one. him. I like him. I I, I, I don't know. I, I, he gets a lot of hate. Uh, this is, I think, only the second thing I've actually seen him in now. I think he's fine in this. Is he, did he get a best actor for this role? No. But it's the same thing as Baby Driver. He's a perfectly competent lead, and everyone calls him a charisma vacuum, and I just don't see him, man. I, I, I like him. Now, part of me is thinking that the only two movies that I would give him a shot in is going to be, what, Baby Driver and West Side Story, and both of those are made by directors that are, like, they, they can just spin gold out of anything. So it's like, okay, you know what? Maybe unfair there. The only other touchstone that I have is just the fault in our stars. And well, I already set my piece about that in the last episode. So um, part of me is thinking, what if I just watched the movie that it was him not working with one of the best directors ever? So um, I will still hold that anytime I look at Ansel Elgort, I need sunglasses on him because if not, it's just going to feel like slowly he's dementoring my soul out of me. Uh, there's just something about his eyes where I'm like, eh, yeah, I'm fine. Um yeah, I actually kind of considered watching this, but also I was like, yeah, if I want to watch a musical again, I kind of want to watch Tick, Tick, Boom again to see if I actually really do think it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, so West Side Story is getting dicked because of that, but also I think I would want to watch the original one before I want to watch the remake because uh, I want to see where I stand on if the remake improves or if it might be better to go back to the old Maybe it's like, oh, yeah, this is still good, but, like, the original one you can't really touch. So, yeah, I this feels like I want to do this, but also at the end of the day, Funny Games and Suspiria are also over there, and I said I want to watch the original ones before I watch those remakes as well. So who the fuck knows whenever the hell I'm actually going to do anything I say out of 10. Yeah, that's actually interesting and a good call uh, for watching the originals over the remakes. Although it's interesting. I prefer the originals for both of those movies. I'm kind of biased towards remakes. So I mean, you know this and but, you're biased against, you mean biased against remakes. Um, but although funny games in particular is an interesting one because it's literally the exact same movie made by the exact same director. So that one's kind of a unique situation. I still prefer the original, but I can kind of understand that one a little bit more because he just wanted to do it with, for an American audience with a different cast, at least it's the same director. Right. 
but uh, that, funny enough, that's the next movie I'll be watching in the uh, my Criterion watch through. So we'll talk about that more next. Well, I'll talk about that more next week. Wait, which one? Um, uh, funny games. Funny games. Okay, I'll try and see if I can make it. Up yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but if it is, then uh, we can uh, partner up on that one. But wait, yeah. hold on. Anyways. Which one are you watching again? The original or the remake? Original, original. Funny games. Okay, funny games. Now, yeah, see if it's on Criterion. Might be. On, might be on the Criterion channel. Hopefully. Wait, oh, seriously, it's a decade apart? Fuck, okay, that's yes. solid. Yeah. Yay, it is on the Criterion yeah. channel. Wee. There we go. That sounds ah, like an easy shit. one, though. Okay, all right, hold on. We're pausing this? Okay. Well, I think we were good, though. So. Okay, continue. All right, so next up, uh, a ghost story. Okay. Um, so this is from the same director as The Green Knight. I believe David Lowry is his name. Uh, mm-hmm. This is his, I don't know if it's his first film, but uh, one that preludes it anyways. I will check. Uh, the, this was good though. Uh, it, it was horribly depressing, but uh, good stuff. I liked it. If you it get definitely... Casey Anthony in, a, in your movie, you know what you're doing. Oh yeah, exactly. Um, and then you've got uh, Runa Mari, which I love her so much in a very bonkable way too. But she's a great <laughs> actress as well. Uh, and yeah, this is just really again you kind of looking at grief in this movie, and you're looking at it through a completely different lens. It's unique in that perspective. Uh, there's a little bit too much downtime sometimes. It's a little bit slow at points. So it's definitely for me, it's not as good as the Green Knight was, but it's a good kind of, okay, like this is kind of his setup for it and just getting some films under his belt. And the Green Knight just seems like such an epic compared to this. And it was one of my favorite movies of last year, obviously. But this is good. This was really enjoyable. Definitely glad I watched it. Some good performances by everyone involved here. And yeah, if you just want something like super, super depressing and another reason why <laughs> kind of this also fits in the vein of like why love should never happen and work, <laughs> this could probably fit here too. So good stuff. Okay. I looked and there is one movie that literally only six people have logged on Letterboxd. So let's not even account that movie. That movie no longer exists. Uh, there's one feature length movie from 2009 called St. Nick that he did that. Uh, at least a couple more people watch, so it feels like, yeah, you know what, we'll count that one. But, yeah, it would be St. Nick, um, and then it would be Pete's Dragon in 2016. Oh, yeah, I forgot he did that. Right, okay. Yeah, it makes, wait, no, hold on, hold on, there's another one. Ain't Them Body Saints in 2013. Uh, that one, oh, that one also had Rooney Mara and Casey Affleck. Good for him. Okay, sick. Um, yeah, I didn't know he'd done so much, interesting. Okay, so one, two, three, fourth. A Ghost Story is his fourth movie. Um, so, yeah, okay. You know what? David Lowry out here doing stuff. Um, so, A Ghost Story. I do want to watch this. Black and white. Wait, no, it's not black and white. It's, it's only four by three, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So, oh, four by three. Uh, I do want to watch this movie. I just don't know when I will. I don't think it's streaming anywhere. It's just one of those movies that's like, oh, A24 put it out. Yeah, sure, I'll get to it eventually. Oh, it's a director that A24 likes? Yes, absolutely, I will do that. So, yeah, who knows when the hell I want to watch this, but yes, depressing shit? Yeah, sure, I'm in. Out of 10. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel, too. Uh, it's a 7 out of 10. Good movie. I enjoyed it. All right. uh, okay, we're. you said you had 5 left ages ago? Yes. I mean, that's okay, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've 8. We're, we're almost there. Yay! Um, all right, let's do a Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas next. Mm. Um, I mean, this is just a classic movie, man. More Terry Gilliam Kino. Um, I think it's Johnny Depp's best performance. I really do. He just completely loses himself in this role. 
I mean, here's the thing with Fear and Loathing. There's a plot, but it's really not that important. <laughs> it, it, it's more just about this drug-fueled adventure that these guys go on where you kind of question, like, what the fuck is actually happening and what's just the side effect of the drugs. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, man, it, it's wild. At times, I, I felt like I was watching a David Lynch movie, which is like a compliment to Terry Gilliam because, yeah, like, I mean, there's not a lot of people that can pull off those kind of vibes and, and that kind of weirdness, but uh, he definitely does in this movie. And it's just bizarre and just just a fun movie to watch. And, yeah, I don't know. It's great. I like it. <laughs> Man, who the hell knows? Like, that's the thing. Terry Gilliam... I've literally watched Brazil for the first time, what, last year? So, like, yeah. Terry Gilliam is just a complete question mark for me. Fear and Loathing, I assume, is just one that I need to get to because Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp is, was on that list that I had Tom Cruise in, which was just unbi- unbiased bias against him. So, wait, no, 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 no. Unsubstantiated. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. Unsubstantiated bias against him, where it's like I just don't like you, and I think they might that might stem from not liking Tim Burton. So, um, I need to give Johnny Depp a chance and see what he can do. I mean, so far I've given Pirates and I've given Rango shots. So, you know what? Fear and Loathing might be the first one where I need to give him even a hard shot when the hell am i gonna do it i don't know that's the exact running theme of the entire fucking episode what when will i do this <laughs> <laughs> yeah fear and loathing and ed wood are the two movies i would say that like you could watch of johnny depp's and see actually some talent there uh and some really good performances so those would be the two i would recommend for sure mm-hmm. now <sighs> johnny depp i will give you a shot out of 10 that's what it's gonna be all right uh it's an eight out of ten for me great movie uh, okay, we'll talk about the Florida Project next. Uh, ooh, this ooh. is from the same director as Red Rocket. Uh, Sean Baker, I think is his name. Um, so I didn't know that until actually after I'd watched it. But yeah, so this was my contractually obligated last movie to Moki uh, from the PP Discord uh, for finding me that uh, great steelbook, which I now proudly own and have in my collection. It still feels yeah. so weird, the fact that the Passive Pixels Discord is an actual place. Yeah, it's it's hell on earth. Don't go there. Uh, but there are there, there are worse hells. It's still hell, but like there are worse that, hells. It's like the first circle, and true. then there's a couple of deeper circles that, if you want. That's to. true. It's, it's not that bad. Uh, but yeah, I like this. This is this movie is actually really great, and it actually surpassed my expectations, especially because like in the first ten minutes, it's literally nothing but screaming children being brats, and I was like, oh god, I'm actually going to kill myself. <laughs> like <laughs> this this is how it all ends. Thankfully, it actually really. It, it's it's a great movie and it's basically exploring i mean it's almost like so i i, I ripped this off from letterbox shamelessly from yeah. somebody but it's almost i actually i think it was alexis i think alexis put, put this so shout out to alexis if this was you you won't listen to mm-hmm. this but shout out to you nonetheless uh he basically said this is my neighbor totoro for adults and i'm like yeah you know what <laughs> it works it really does work Ooh. Um, <laughs> It really does work. I get that because it's basically kids just having their own adventure while all these adult lives are falling apart <laughs> and trying to keep shit together. And it's good. I liked it. And My this neighbor is like, Totoro, if it took place in Florida, is what he put. Yeah. Okay. There you go. That too. So shout out to I, Alexis. Fuck. That's actually wow. Okay. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. And I totally agree with that. Uh, what I also like about this movie too is it's the first time I really feel in a long time. That we've got William Defoe, who I, you know I love William Defoe, amazing actor, 
but he's legitimately playing William DeFriend. It finally happened. The meme Willem. happened. He's William, 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 ah. Will, Willem, Willem DeFriend. And there you go. It's so great to see him finally get to play the wholesome guy. He's just trying to help people out and be a good guy. And yeah, he's fantastic in this movie. I loved his performance in this movie. Uh, and then I, everyone else, like they're all a lot of unknown actors in this movie. So I, I guess like 99% of the budget went to, went to Defoe, but yeah, no, it's, it's really, really strong movie. Um, I know you watched that one movie of his that you didn't like tangerine. For, yeah. Tangerine. So I don't think I'll watch that one, but this one definitely has me more interested in uh, red rocket now, which has a lot of praise and hype. So I'll definitely have to get to that soon. Everyone, I just keep saying that I'm going to close the loop on directors and I just never come back to it. Dude, Elden <laughs> Ring was so destructive on my life and my plans. Like, it really was. Uh, but yeah, Tangerine. Totally watched Tangerine. And no, uh, Florida Project. I was going to watch Florida Project. But then, you know, I think Tangerine just kind of soured me for a little bit. I'm like, ah, I'm going to give this a little bit more time. Uh, but yeah, Florida Project. Um, you know what's going to just end up happening? The next episode is just going to be me looking at the movies you mentioned uh in this episode and i'm just gonna watch that and then the next episode is gonna be me with one episode behind of every single topic uh yeah i want to watch the florida project uh that that description is like oh wow okay that's not what i would have expected i kind of thought it would have just been kids being well actually no 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 that is what i thought the movie was gonna be well not neighbor totoro but like my brain thought this movie was just gonna be kids doing shit while things are bad around them and they don't realize it because they're kids but yeah i want to watch this out of 10 eight out of 10 for me very strong movie and actually i mean 2017 is a ridiculous year for film but uh it was it, it ended up pretty putting placing it pretty high on my list i think it was like 11 or 12 so good for it good movie nice nice, uh, nice. all right last one and then we're i think we can finally go back and forth for a bit jesus christ uh <laughs> repulsion uh let's talk about repulsion uh so this is from roman polanski and uh oh that I mean, dude that yeah that dude. dude that fucking dude and I mean, this is the ultimate, you need to separate art from artist exercise and watch <laughs> it woman challenge play. impossible. Yeah. Challenge. Yeah. For some people it absolutely is. And I don't blame them. Um, I can do it. It's just, I, I have to ignore it. Um, I love this movie though. It's really great. It's a real slow burn. And it's if my favorite, like, I think you've said this too. And I agree with it is that the, my favorite, like the best horror movies are disguised as other things. They're never just a horror movie. There's always other elements to them and they introduce other things. And Repulsion is basically just the story of a fragile girl who's sexually repressed and losing her fucking mind very slowly, but surely. And it's horrifying to watch. It's absolutely one of the toughest movies to watch that I've seen in a while. And just watching her slowly mental state deteriorating and shit getting weirder and weirder. And it's just, it breaks my heart. And the, they really did a good job with it. You know, there's not a lot of jump scares in this. Like it's not a typical horror movie. There's like maybe, you know, there's a couple of moments that kind of startled me and got me a little bit, but it's just absolutely an outstanding film. And I haven't seen a ton of Polanski, but definitely got to rank high up there. It's his uh, sophomore film. I think it's his second movie he ever did. And a really accomplished, big accomplishment for that. So I loved it. 
I have not dipped my toe into Roman Polanski, although I'm pretty sure he would like to dip his toe in me. Wait, I'm not that young enough anymore. Never mind. Um, <laughs> I want to watch Rosemary's Berry Bead. I feel like that feels like a good place to start, although not really because I imagine that it would outclass almost everything else that he did. Wait a minute. No, I watched Chinatown. Never mind. Never mind. Fuck you, Roman Polanski. You make good movies. Can you just stop touching children? Please, 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 please. Wait a minute. You did The Pianist? Fuck. Oh, damn it. Yeah, he Roman makes Polanski. good movies. <laughs> yeah, can you just not, please? God damn it. Okay, uh, yeah, Repulsion. Who the fuck knows? Out of 10. An 8 out of 10 for me. Um, I'm kind of weird with my horror movies. I typically don't give them super high scores. Just that's me. I don't know. They just It's just a genre that can be very hit or miss for me, but that is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. So, good stuff. Um, and yeah, I think we're down to one, hold on, let me count, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, so if you want to go, go. Okay, uh, what do I have? All right, you know what, we're going to get Itu Mama Tambien out of the way. Um, this is not what I expected. Um, Itu Mama Tambien, so I don't remember how the hell this movie got into my house when it actually came out. It was like 2001, 2002, maybe in 2003 because... I don't remember when we got an actual DVD player. My parents would, well, not even my parents, my dad would rent movies from Blockbuster and we'd watch them. And I don't remember when Itu Mama Tambien just showed up in the house at one point. And the funny thing is, the only memory that stuck with me in that movie was just both kids laying on diving boards and masturbating and then a shot of the cum shot hitting the pool. And I was just like, I don't really understand what's going on as a kid, but I don't really know what's going on. And it wasn't until later on that I, like, you know, you get old enough, you start remembering things, you're like, oh, that's really fucking weird. Why? And then now watching it again, that scene was still like, yeah, this is kind of weird. But, like, the movie is all about teenagers and basically how horny they are, but also... It's this weird portrait of Mexico during that time. It's also a portrait of growing up, friendship, love, lust, and it all works. I I kind of was surprised that a lot of the subject matter just felt a lot like smutty. Like, I feel like that's the right word to use. Like, it just feels like it's just... God, I feel like such an old person saying smut. And then the next word I want to use is titillation. Like, it just feels like the movie just wants to sexually excite you. But it feels weird that the movie never feels like it's doing that without a point. It feels like it wants to do that because that's honestly how these teen kids are seeing the world. And honestly, you remember being a teenager. It feels a lot like that. So, Itumama Tambien is something that is very quiet about a snapshot of a time in life. And then you realize at some point that it's not only just teenagers. Uh, there's a couple of things I could go into spoilers for, but I don't think you've seen this one, so I'm not going to do that. But there is an extra layer to this that is growing up and seeing what the end of growing up is like. That is a layer I didn't expect in this movie. And I feel like that's pretty much how I can talk about Itumama Tambien. It's something that I did not expect. And here's the thing. The movie is called Itumama Tambien. Like, the movie literally translates to and your mom too. Like, 
anytime I think about this movie, it sounds like it'd be an insult. Like, it would be, like, two people talking, like, ah, fuck your mom, too. Like, it sounds like that to me whenever I see the title. So it kind of fits perfectly with that, like, adolescence angle to it. And I... That's the thing. I don't think there's anything in the movie that points to why it would be called Itumama Tambien. So that just feels like the perfect thing to let me think, okay, well, the movie is... It's kind of trying to put itself in that youthful state. No, wait, you have watched the movie. Never mind, I just pulled it up. Okay, I think you said you were going to watch it again. Okay, whatever. Well, that means I'll go into spoilers a little bit then. Uh, but yeah, Itumama Tambien is something that I didn't expect it to hit as hard as it did. And once it got to the end, I was like, shit, that was actually a really fucking good movie. So I toss it to you before we end up going to spoilers. Uh, so a couple things here. First of all, I just want to give you the white person pronouncing this movie. Uh, it's actually why to mama Tambian. That's how you're supposed to say it. I'm sorry, you're wrong. It's why to mama Tambian. Okay. Anyways, why uh, to mama Tambian. but racial. <laughs> oh man. But uh, yeah. Okay. Funny enough. So actually, so I have seen this movie. Uh, and I'm going to be honest with you, though. I don't remember jack shit. Oh, so okay. like, that's I need a rewatch of it. I do remember really enjoying it. And I remember mm-hmm. bits and pieces of it. But yeah, like I'll be useless in a spoiler discussion. So if you want to go spoilers, you still can. But this is definitely one I need to rewatch because I don't remember shit. The only thing I remember, I think, is kind of a spoiler. So if you want a spoiler countdown, then I can mention this funny joke I have. And that's it. Okay, so that's the thing. I leave it up to you. Do you want me to talk spoilers, or do you want to go into this movie as freely as you can? I'd like to go into it freely, but I also want to tell this joke. So can we still do spoilers for a second? Yeah, yeah, no, no. You, you will do the spoilers. Okay. I will abstain, and then we'll talk about it when you watch it. So uh, you count it down. Okay, so here we go. Three, two, one. If I remember correctly, I, I, I seem to remember basically like the, 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 the boys in this movie fucking or something happens between them. And I, I remember, I still remember this funny meme that somebody was pissed off that Harry Potter wasn't more like this and that fucking Harry and Ron didn't end up fucking. I don't know why that <laughs> sticks in my head, but that's literally all I can fucking remember right now. Oh my God. Okay. You know what? Um, yeah. fuck that's really good he did do oh my god yeah because he does do the prison yeah, he does the prisoner does... basketball yeah oh. Alfonso Cuarón did direct both yeah. of these movies oh god <laughs> okay um y tu mama uh. también is gonna be uh okay hold on what is it charolastras out of 10 it's gonna be a charolastras out of 10 this is my uh, out of 10. I'll get to it eventually because I really want to rewatch this and I would like to talk more about it, but it's not streaming anywhere in Canada, but Apple and I'm, I'm not giving Apple my money. And I now, would hold leg- on. Do you guys have a criterion channel out there or no? We do. It's not in our criterion channel though. Fuck. Oh, yeah. you would think the criterion channel will be the one that would be able to bridge past that. Well, he, well, here's the funny thing too, though. I can't even get this criterion in Canada. So what? I don't know. It must, it must be a licensing issue. I can order it directly from the criterion website. So I could order it like I could import it from America, but all the Canadian sources for it, you can't get this on Criterion. So I'm assuming there's some sort of like licensing thing in it because I would legitimately probably blind buy this because I want this, but I'm not going to pay the import charges and stuff like that, the Criterion charges. So it sucks. Hopefully it goes streaming somewhere too because I do want to watch this again, but. Yeah. I thought I was joking when I told you that NAFTA has failed us, but no, it actually oh. failed us. What the fuck? Yeah, this one's fucked. So that sucks. Avanto Quran, please talk to your government. Please. 
yeah, no shit. But yeah, it is. I I, I did off of memory. I give it an eight out of ten. But that's a very. I should honestly remove that rating because I don't remember enough about it to really properly rate it. So definitely rewatch in order on that one. But yes, this movie is great, and the ending uh, hits harder than I expected. Uh, yeah, but I already gave my score. You already have yeah. your score. So uh, back to you. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, what next? Okay, let's talk about Fresh. Um, okay. This was really fun and unexpected. I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. I actually, so I, I could block these two movies together. I won't since we're going back and forth now, but I watched this like a couple of days before X and I'll talk about X in a bit, but I actually ended up enjoying Fresh a little bit more than X. It's a fucking like, Stars original movie or Hulu original movie. I don't know, one of the fucking two. So I had very low expectations. The only reason I had even heard of this fucking movie was, uh, was Resident Clown of the PP Discord Mac. Shout out to Mac, our, our clown, our clown friend. It has been canonized now. <laughs> yes, he is 100% the uh, the village clown. Um, he gave this a four out of five. So I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I mean, that doesn't mean it's going to be that great. But no, it doesn't. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? I want to check it out now because that's at least something because I had no expectations otherwise. And all I'll say about this is I refuse to really talk about it anymore because I don't know if you'll ever end up watching this maybe one day. But even for people listening to this, this is the type of movie you literally can't know anything about. If you know anything about this, the twists that are coming in this movie, it will ruin it for you. So the less you know, the better. Do not watch a trailer. Do not look up at a description. Don't figure out anything about this movie. The only thing I will say is there's one thing in this movie that does that not enough movies do that's really fucking cool. And again, it sucks. That sounds so vague because I can't say anymore without spoilers. But there's like a certain, what do you, like a filmmaking trick i guess is what i'll say technique. technique yeah that not nearly enough movies do and pull off well enough i think and this does it in spades and I, when it happened i was like oh yeah i did like the leo pointing meme. i'm like there it is that's awesome so can you really do fun the movie. 10 seconds just to say it because i'm curious and i don't mind if it's spoiled for me okay it's it, it's not a massive spoiler but some people could get upset so i am going to do a spoiler thing here 10 second spoiler fast forward 10 seconds now uh, they, the credit, they, they don't roll the opening credits until, uh, 30 minutes in. So yeah, that's cool. Uh, duh. 10 seconds. So yeah, really good stuff. That's 10 seconds. Yep. There we go. Okay. That's, uh, fucking awesome. Uh, big fan of that. Uh, okay. Uh, the problem is I already pulled it up on letterbox and I read the description and, uh, the sentence produce section meat cute. Um, that's a pun. That is a pun. Produce section meat cute. Uh, I'm assuming that we can take meat as meat. Um, meeting and then eating meat. That's a pun to me. Um, there's something about that that makes me want to respect it because it reminds me of 22 Jump Street and their meat cute pun. So um, I'm not going to say I'm going to watch this. I'm just going to add this to my watch later and then never think about it again. It, it'll just it, it feels good to have it on there. Uh, fuck you, Clown Mac. You got one. You did it again. I can't wait to be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, so I'll end it there. Don't want to say anymore. Uh, seven, seven out of ten. Good movie. Uh, Hulu's going to have garbage streaming for this exclusive out of ten. There you go. Moving on. Oh, it was on Disney Plus in Canada, so shout out to Disney Plus. Wow. Of course. It'd be, yeah, you'd be watching it better. Um, okay. Uh, back to me. The Handmaiden. Oh, boy. Ooh, we're, both, we're both in on this one. Let's go. Oh, uh, boy. Um... Well, that movie was horny, huh? Um, yeah, I, my literally my only note for this movie is Bonk Bonk City. Yeah, honestly, it felt like, OK, yeah, this is fine. This is in service in the story. And then I think there is literally one scene where I was like, <laughs> I know that just felt really indul- 
indulgent. Like that. Yeah. That was, that was no. Everything else you can totally have enough plausible yeah. deniability of like, yeah, okay. Okay, you know what? Actually, this is going to be so hard to talk without spoilers. So do we? Let's just talk vaguely, okay? Yeah. The handmaiding. I recommend it. It's a good movie. Just know that if you watch it with other people, make sure that it's cool people, because if not, it's going to get really weird at some point. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd watch it with anyone else. Like I said, like he said, unless it's somebody you really know. Uh, but I really love this movie. Big, big recommend for me. Okay, yeah. You like it way more than I do, uh, but we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, so three, two... A one. There's enough backstabs in this movie that it would make Ocelot from Metal Gear think even I would have betrayed that many people. Um, there's like no what, three or four fucking twists in this movie yeah. that like three or four reversals where it's like, oh, wait. Uh, so, okay, we've got the one where we realize, oh, the girl is being scammed out of her money by marrying this guy. Oh, wait, now the two girls are scamming him. Wait, no, no, hold on. We forget the original betrayal of the yeah, fact the original that betrayal. she's trying to betray the, the the her uncle. So we got three betrayals already. And then we have a fourth <laughs> betrayal of... Wait, no, is there a fourth betrayal? Uh, the, wait, no, no we, we can count the suit man betraying the uncle, right? We can count oh, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. So, yeah, there's yeah, four. Okay. It's okay, four reversals. It's like, Jesus Christ, this movie doesn't fucking stop. Um, <laughs> honestly, I feel like this is just way more of a plot-centered movie because all the characters like, yeah, your characters, I don't know if I really care about any of you. I feel like this movie is just carried so much by the plot that I'm like, I don't really I care. Like, that's not a knock. Like, that's an I observation. They're, they're all they're all kind of, I don't want to say shitty people, but they're all not great people. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. Yeah, this is, it's not like Succession where they're all just absolute scumbags, but I don't know. None of these people are very good people. They're all kind of out for themselves and doing their own things, and they end up twisting and turning, like you said. Like the, fir- the first one, the big first one at the end of Act 1, that one really got me. It's like, oh, shit, what's going on here? Um, and then it just kind of keeps twisting and turning around. And, I don't know. It's just so well made. It's very horny. <laughs> very, very, very horny at times. But uh, I don't know. I actually enjoyed this more than Old Boy even. Same director as Old Boy, Park Chan-wook. Um, oh yeah it's great i liked i liked it a lot okay so we're probably in agreement that the bell scene was too much the bell scene the sex scene with the bells at the end oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay I, yeah i yeah i was distracted during that um i i just felt like that one was like almost too much because it's like okay all the other times you know what uh the the girl is completely innocent well i mean not really you find that later but like oh okay she's innocent so sure long indulgent sex scene Sure, fine, whatever. Okay, you know what? She's completely new to this. Okay, we're not going to even question it. And then the second time that it goes around, the sex scenes are shorter because you at this point know that she's in on the whole thing. So it's like, okay, yeah, fine. I guess it's no problem that the scenes are a lot shorter here. But the bell scene, I was like, okay, so if this is supposed to be a callback for all the sex stories that she was reading those guys, which honestly, we might have to talk about those guys. Um, the, the fucking... Um, Guys who were just paying to hear a woman read out porn, which is, uh, <laughs> uh, okay. So the bells thing, it feels like, okay, out of all the stories she was reading, for some reason, this is the one that it is like, I don't, I don't understand why the bells one is the one that actually got the, yeah, we need to show this actually on screen. So I don't really understand, man, why they needed to do that. Yeah, it was. <sighs> It was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. I, I, I want to compare this to another movie. I'm just trying to think if it's a big enough spoiler. 
It probably is. You'll okay. I'll just say this without saying the movie. If you end up going through Lynch's catalog, you'll end up knowing what I'm talking about sooner, sooner rather than later. Um, and it it reminded me a lot of that. It's, it's one particularly indulgent scene in a certain movie. Um, and I'll leave it there. But this specifically, it's it was definitely too much. A little bit. I think everything else, like you said, you could. It's fine. There's not an issue. You can definitely explain it a bunch of different ways. I mean, maybe he just showed up to sound one day. It was like, yo, I'm horny. Let's just fucking do it. And, and if that's the case, God bless you, man. It, it just, it was, like I said, there's so many different stories that I wasn't expecting to actually see that one pop up. And yet it did. So I don't really understand. But either way, I enjoyed the ridiculous amount of twists and turns that just kept popping up. And uh, I don't know. It was still good. It was still good. But I'm almost wondering if, is there something missing for me when it comes to Korean movies? I know I've only gotten to two of them, so maybe it might be too early to fucking call. I don't know. But between The Handmaiden and Parasite, there are people who love those movies way more than I do. I'm like, yeah, those are good movies. But for some reason, they just haven't really clicked with me properly. I think Old Boy is going to be the true test of that. We'll see. Yeah, we'll yeah, see what, what, what you Old Boy, what you think. of Because that's a very different type of movie than The Handmaiden. Um, and if you end up liking that too, then... Mm-hmm. I think you'll be, uh, or sorry, if you end up in, sorry, if you end up not liking it or not, okay. Like not if I end up cooler on it than everyone cooler else on it, then yeah, maybe just that Korean cinema in general isn't for you because I think both Parasite and uh, this movie are nine out of 10s for me. So I love them both quite a bit. I think that's the thing. I feel like it's where I split off again, where it's like, yeah, this is done at such a high level. I don't know if this is clicking with me, but yeah, the handmaiden absolutely worth watching. Um, I'm honestly kind of disappointed that here's the thing with the things that they were laying on with like from the books to happen. I feel with the amount of times that they brought up the octopus. I was like, why don't you just bring up the octopus? Like you set the ground floor for the octopus to do something. And all we do is just see it sitting there. But, you know, you mentioned the bells in one story and suddenly the bells gets this, it's the attention. I was like, I, if you're going to pay something off, probably do the squid instead. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. It's weird that they don't, they don't really give you a payoff on that, do they? Mm-hmm. So it's like, ah, well, why the bells? The bells got mentioned in one story. I don't know. But either way, uh, the guy's paying to listen to porn. That was definitely, um. That's something. <laughs> that's something. Yeah, that's not what I expected. I would have kind of thought that maybe strip clubs would have existed, but here they are. Yeah, I mean, hey, you gotta, you got too much money. You got to spend it somewhere, right? <laughs> I'm going to listen to. Re- that's the thing. You could probably buy a prostitute to be rich. Like you can do that. Yeah, but that's I don't know. There's maybe they didn't have like really nice high class ones back then i don't, I don't fucking know <laughs> either way it's just funny seeing all these old oh, men yeah, with their sure. like like oh oh did you hear her read that word oh yeah it's um, strange also a shout out to this movie uh for having different colored subtitles for both japanese and korean and allowing yes. me to turn off the subtitles from actual amazon prime so good stuff yes same i appreciate it though all right, uh, the handmaiden is. Uh, am I accidentally racist? Out of ten, <laughs> yeah, nine out of ten. Great stuff. I uh, can't recommend it enough. He's. I gotta watch more of his films. I'm definitely a fan of that director. So, two now. All right, back to you. Uh, let's talk about X. So this is the latest uh, slasher film from A twenty four. A lot of hype, a lot of buzz for this one uh, from director Ty West, who I've never actually seen any of his other movies. 
probably end up checking a couple more out now, but uh, most of them seem pretty uh, shit, I guess. But I mean, I'll check a couple. There was a couple Clown Boy Mac recommended to me, so I'll probably check them out at some point. Um, X is interesting, though. It, it's a very unique slasher, and that alone, I feel, gives it some credit because slasher is such a genre that's done to death. Like, what else is there to explore in that genre? There's really not a lot, I feel. But this one manages to feel pretty unique in some of its themes and what it's discussing. And a lot of that is spoiler stuff, so I'm not going to get into that. But it was good. Uh, I really enjoyed the movie. Uh, Like I said, I did think, like, I watched Fresh a couple days before, and I do think Fresh was the better movie. But this was still good. Uh, This was still very enjoyable for me. Uh, Old, naked people is always going to be terrifying to me. Always, yeah. just... Yeah, that's just going to be a thing that scares me, and it is effective and very cool. Uh, There's this really good sense of style to this movie. Like, people have said this is like Texas Chainsaw Massacre meets Boogie Nights, and they're not far off. Like, it's just a very cool... What? Yeah. Yeah, they're not far off. But I should say, Boogie Nights in terms of aesthetic. Very much aesthetic, so not themes or anything like that. Um, And yeah, it's cool. They've already filmed a prequel for it, which I think is wild. Like, A24 was just like, yeah, we like this so much. We'll just go ahead and green light your prequel and let you film that as well. It actually appears as a trailer at the end of the movie for certain people. Didn't in Canada, apparently, so I had to watch it online later. Uh, And it's interesting, though. The trailer for the prequel almost looked better. Like, it's very unique and shot in, like, the 1900s. I was like, oh, shit, that actually looks really cool. So definitely going to check that out at some point. Uh, but X as it is, definitely worthwhile watch if you're a fan of slasher or horror movies. Uh, I didn't love it, but it was really good. I'm looking at this and I see it is in theaters and it's like, yeah, no idea when the hell I'm getting to this. I'm sorry, X. You're probably better than whatever I'm saying right now. Out of 10. <laughs> it's a 7 out of 10 for me. Okay. Uh, portrait of a Lady on Fire. Now, oh, I had my That's trilogy <laughs> of foreign sexually charged dramas, and Portrait of a Lady on Fire felt like the place to end that. Uh, I did want to go for a fourth one, but I couldn't find anything, so then I just ended up watching Man on Fire instead to keep it thematically somehow, right? So, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Movie is very good. It is gorgeously shot. Um, it is incredibly subtle uh the two actresses they're fucking great they're honestly incredible everything about them is just this energy between them that just can't it's it's always under the surface and it just bubbles out every once in a while and when it does you're just so glad about it um i don't know like i out of the three movies that i watched i think they just got worse. <laughs> uh Mama Tambien is still my favorite out of the three. The Handmaiden and the Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I know. Look at the look at the ranking that you thought you were going to hear at the beginning of the episode. I finally delivered on it. Obviously, what everyone was waiting on. Uh, but yeah, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I think I appreciate it way more than I actually uh, like it. I still like it a lot, but like that's what I mean. The appreciation is way more higher than how much I actually like it. Uh, you did want to talk about this one, so shall we just go into spoilers? Shall we just say that you were very positive on it and you were waiting for me to finally do this? Yeah, I love this movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Top 5 of 2019, which, if you don't film at all, 2019 is a stacked fucking year. Uh, I can't recommend this movie enough. Uh, definitely more positive on it than it is. And uh, yeah, go watch it. Okay, so uh, three, two one i 
probably not a spoiler, but honestly, it kind of was for me up until I remembered that this movie existed, which was that it was a gay movie. I didn't. That's the thing. Even when I saw the trailers, I kind of for some reason that's. It's incredible that women can just have like ridiculous intimacy with another woman, and like I still give them enough rope of like, eh, and they're probably straight. They're just like really good friends or something. So, <laughs> so even when I remember watching these trailers, whenever whatever their movies I was watching around that time, whenever I saw the trailer pop, I would be like, oh, they're just friends. <laughs> so, um, no, they're not friends. They're 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 lovers. And um, I just want to jump to the ending. The ending is fucking phenomenal just a shot of her slowly crying and hearing oh, all the music and so you just good. see the entire relationship that they had in the entire movie summed up through just her crying in the music uh kino as fuck perfection holy shit incredible uh go on because i'm pretty sure you've been wanting to hold on and talk about this for a while now the ending and the fact that it's a callback too, because they talk about that earlier in the movie, yes. how she really wants to go see that song be played yes. and she finally gets to go and she goes and she just watches. And yeah, it just, <laughs> I, it, I, I just, it was, I, I forgot to breathe <laughs> during that segment almost like it was just so that ending of the movie is so fucking intense and you're like, Oh my God, is she going to look, does she know, does she know she's there? Like, it's just, oh my God, I love that ending to the movie, maybe more than the movie itself. I don't know. That ending does a lot of fucking heavy lifting for me. I love the movie in general, but that ending, like you said, Kino is fuck and absolutely phenomenal. I cannot tell you how much I love that, that ending. The rest of the movie is all great too, though. It's such, it's like a painting. Like some of the shots in that movie are stunning. I watched it on shitty Crave, so I have the criterion for it now. I can't wait to do a rewatch of that soonish. And just kind of get a better picture of it. But I, I don't know. There's something that just feels so real about the movie. And the relationship that forms between those girls. And and that time frame. Obviously something like that wasn't allowed. And you get a little bit of deception in that movie too. Where at first like she deceives the girl into, in painting a picture. And it's great because she sees it. She's like, yeah, this looks like shit. Like, fuck you. <laughs> like, it's a terrible picture. And it fucking breaks her. Like, it, it, it hurts her so bad. She she destroys the picture. She's like, no, nah, I'm going to do this shit again. Like, I'm going to do this right this time. Uh, and basically just paint this picture of this girl she's falling in love with to give her away to some chode in another fucking area. <laughs> and, yeah, man, I don't know. This movie just hit really hard for me. It's that, and like I said, that ending is just, it's breathless, man. Like watching that ending and hearing the music swell. And I, I remember watching it, finishing the movie and going back a couple days later and literally just YouTubing the ending and watching that ending again. And it's special. It's probably one of my favorite endings to a movie ever. I adore it. That ending is one of those moments that your eyes just kind of tunnel vision even just the corners of the TV and all it is, is just seeing her and listening to the music. Like it is an incredible ending and you are right about the cinematography. Like God, they really took to heart the fact that this movie is about a painter and decided to take that with some of the shots in this movie. And God bless the fact that it, you know, it was still a Blu-ray, but at least it was a 4k transfer that criterion did to put on the Blu-ray and God damn, like this movie is gorgeous to look at and, Ugh. Just these two characters, it always seems... It's, it's the funny thing is, is that this actually kind of reminded me a little bit of In the Mood for Love, another Criterion love movie, um, and how 
it just seemed like both of these movies decided to take to heart the idea that it's not it's never about the things that are said it's about the things that aren't said and the spaces that's put in between the two characters with whatever they want to say and that just feels like it's a good recipe for any love story honestly uh so yeah portrait with a lady on fire that movie's really fucking good i don't really know what it is from stopping me from liking it even more i I don't know. It just feels like I feel like I appreciate it more than anything else. And sadly, that just feels like the pattern. That's fair. I, I mean, I can't dispute that. Yeah, you still appreciate the movie and still understand that it's well made. So it's about all you can do. Uh, like I said, it's one of my favorites of uh, 2019. Uh, it's a nine out of 10, very, very hard nine out of 10 or sorry, like it could flex is what I'm saying. Like I need to watch that again and it could be a 10 out of 10, but it's uh, it's a great movie and I loved it. So shout out to Mac for that one because that was that was annoying clown boy again who uh, who pestered me into watching that one, but I'm glad I did. <laughs> I'm not going to give him any credit. Like I, I won't. I won't. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. He he sent me Halloween in 4K, and I assume that I'll probably just drop this in the box for him. So um, I think he said he doesn't have it. So uh, maybe he hasn't bought it yet. I don't know. But either way, uh, the handmaiden is going to no handmaiden. Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire is going to be that shot of one of the characters, I don't remember their names because they're French, uh, the brunette running towards the blonde on the beach, running and then grabbing her and then just crying while she's hugging her from behind out of 10. Great shot. Yeah, already give my rating 9 out of 10. Just amazing stuff. Okay, next up. I've got two left. I assume you've got two left as well. Correct, correct. Yeah. All right. Let's do 2001. A space odyssey, oh, or ha- or how we determined Addy is a moron. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I am stupid. So look, I watched this movie a long time ago. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember exactly how long ago. Um, and I remember not liking it, thinking it was well made, and but it was just kind of boring, kind of dull. Not a lot happens, and it's all just kind of random shit put together. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty stupid. Uh, look. So the first 20 minutes of this movie are my biggest issue. And I still feel like, I think I might've just checked out the first time I watched after those first 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be honest, it almost happened again. <laughs> like, I just don't like the opening to this movie. I understand what it represents. I get it. I, I totally understand that, but I just don't like it. It's just, it's so slow to me and it just, it takes its time to set things up. But as soon as you're finally done with the chimps and we're, and we're done with Planet of the Apes, uh, the movie just evolves into something totally different and maybe i just wasn't old enough to appreciate it at that point in time but it, it's really amazing stuff the themes it represents just basically kind of finding your maker and what that would be like <sighs> the gorgeous cinematography in this just the shots of space i really want to get a 4k of this movie now the problem is there's some really nice steelies too so I'm kind of trying to hold off to see if I can find a deal on one of those eventually. Hopefully I will. And yeah, this is just such a space epic. Like it's hard to, it's hard to think that I actually didn't like this because it's so up my alley, man. Like sci-fi <laughs> stuff like this, that's just pure sci-fi. It gave me so much, it gave me interstellar vibes at times and just other sci-fi fuck shit. Fuck you, fuck you. It's the other goddamn way around. Oh, no, and it is, it is. No, it is. Like interstellar obviously stole from this for sure. hundred percent. Everything. I'm just going to go straight to my score. I know you, you can keep talking. I just wanted to get my score out of the way because you already brought it up, which is even Nolan bent the knee out of 10. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this movie influenced so much. Shit, Everything. Really. 
like everything and you got to give it its due and its respect for that. So yeah, I, I was wrong. This movie's really, really great, really special. And something that, you know, I, I like, I'll, I'll tell that to anyone else who listens to this or whatever, that if you, if you watch this the first time, like me and you weren't super hot on it, definitely give this a second shot because I think with a little bit more maturity and again, you just kind of got to, for me anyways, I had to slug through those first 20 minutes and just kind of keep myself engaged in it. But once I did that, I mean, just an amazing movie. Now, I feel like this is another movie that I watched way too early, so this was one that I will watch again at some point. Who the fuck knows? Because I know I want to hold on for this for 4K. I think I gifted my... No, no. I know I gifted my best friend a trilogy of Kubrick movies in 4K. I don't think 2001 is on there, but the good thing is, is that if and whenever he watches those that gives me a good excuse to watch 2001 again. And hopefully if he likes those movies, maybe he buys them instead of I do, you know, yeah, you know we got to offload some of these costs one way or another. Right. Um, so I'm kind of hoping that's when I watch it again, but this one definitely feels like a movie that I watched too early. And I was like, yeah, I could see why people like this. I don't think I get it, but that was so many years ago and I've got way more movies underneath my belt that I feel like it is time to go back and for even myself to reevaluate if it's something I like or if it's just still something that I feel like I can bend the knee towards, even if I don't like it as much. Uh, so yeah, I already gave my score. You already gave your score or no? Uh, it's a nine out of 10 for me. And really the only thing preventing it from a 10 out of 10 is just that opening. Cause I still don't like it. But other than that, uh, I think the movie's pretty much a masterpiece. It's amazing. Perfect. Okay. So from here, my next movie is Man on Fire. Now, this movie is actually probably in the same category as the Ito Mama Tambien, but I don't think so. I don't know when was the first time that I watched this movie. I don't know if we rented it at some point. I don't think so. It may have just been a movie that was on HBO or Cinemax. Now that's the thing. I remember that early on in like 2000s when we first got Dish Network, we did have HBO and we did have Cinemax because that's what they always do. It's like, hey, here's free six months. And then when you're not looking, we'll actually start charging you for it. So during those six months or probably however long we had it, we had it there. And Man on Fire just played really often there. My timelines might not be right because I think Man on Fire came out in 2004, but whatever. You understand what I mean. Um, so Man on Fire is, I think, maybe the beginning of the Denzel Washington revenge flick. I mean, I think so. Hold on. Let me, I want to, I should have probably checked this before recording. Remember the Titans training day, John Q. Do, would we count John Q as a revenge flick? I don't think so. Right. Uh, I've never seen that one. Okay, uh, well, okay, so I'll describe it to you really quickly. John Q is about a father who doesn't really have money, and what he does is he holds up a hospital to get his son a new heart. Okay. Actually, you know what? Now um, I say that out loud, nah, that what, yeah. what is he revenging against? The fucking, uh, <laughs> the, the medical, the, the big pharma? <laughs> okay, yeah, never mind no there, kidding. Right? I kind of shot myself in the foot there describing it. Uh, Antoine Fisher, biographical drama film, so no, out of time. Um, mystery thriller film. So that's going to be a no. I'm going to say no on that one. Okay, yeah, you know what? I'm ready to say that Man on Fire is the beginning of the Denzel Washington revenge flick that P 
people would like to pigeonhole him in later. Um, Man on Fire is very, very good. Um, so with this movie, the first... Okay, well, let me just give the plot because I feel like the plot of the movie is the plot of the movie. I don't... That's not spoilers. So the plot of the movie is that basically Denzel Washington is a former special forces, some kind. It doesn't really matter what kind, right? Um, basically, he is hired by a very wealthy Mexican man and uh, his wife to take care of their daughter because the kidnappings in Mexico are going insane and Basically, anyone who is rich and has a kid has a bodyguard for that kid. And the kid in this movie is Dakota Fanning. Yeah, Dakota Fanning. I almost said Dakota Washington. I was like, that doesn't sound right. Um, Dakota Fanning. And the first part of the movie before she gets kidnapped, because like, okay, look, that's not a spoiler. It's literally the plot in the movie that she gets kidnapped, okay? It's a revenge flick. What do you expect? So in the first act of the movie, when she's around... It's actually kind of impressive that I cared. I didn't think I was going to care, but Dakota Dakota Fanning in this movie is actually really fucking good. Like, she's like seven or eight, and this girl is acting her ass off. Uh, she's not doing anything crazy, but it's something that, like, even a kid to be endearing is still hard work to do but you can definitely tell in the script that they gave her lines that any adult could read and it would work but the thing is that girls let's just talk let's just say it straight up okay girls are better than boys when it comes to them being young girls are just way sharper boys are stupider for way longer and it isn't until puberty that both of them get dumb and then you just kind of hope that on the other side of puberty both of them turn out better but yeah, like little girls are so much smarter than little boys. Like that's just a fact. So even though she's saying things that you would hear from an adult, it all still kind of works. So that's at least the positive thing. What I wasn't expecting out of all of that is that they handle her so well that by the time she gets kidnapped, the movie kind of convinces you, along with Denzel Washington, yeah let's fucking do this and honestly you can just have revenge flicks let's go in let's murder people okay whatever right but the fact that this movie kind of takes its time to convince you no 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 this little girl is worth revenging that it kind of made me happy about it also denzel washington fucking phenomenal actor there's nothing that you need to say there the man has already earned his stripes that if he's in a movie it's going to be more shocking and more notable if he sucks than the other way around but the other thing I do want to mention is that Man on Fire was directed by Tony Scott. And what I had said at some point to you, Dorian, is that uh, Tony Scott feels like Michael Bay probably saw Tony Scott and it's like, I will pick up where you left off, right? And both of them have kind of that indulgent, like, let's show off the cool action scene. And while I think Michael Bay once tried to be sincere in Pearl Harbor and it fucking failed spectacularly, I think Tony Scott tried to be sincere here and he actually was able to pull it off. Because between Dakota Fanning and uh, Denzel Washington, I think the two of them have fucking phenomenal chemistry. Like, you can truly tell that 
these two people do care about each other. Denzel Washington, even though he is the person who was hired to take care of her, at some point he definitely gets an emotional investment in this girl that he's like, even though I'm being paid to protect her, you could probably stop paying me and I would still want to protect her regardless. And I really was surprised that this movie worked as well as it did the editing is kitschy though sometimes like this the editing for this movie sometimes gets ridiculous and the after effects that they put in crazy camera shakes and how it zooms in multiple times i'm like okay look that's a lot but what i am impressed with more than anything else is that the ending of this movie definitely started getting tears out of me and i don't even know where they were coming from and the funny thing is that even though the editing was still there at the end, I think what it is is that I cared about the characters and I had enough investment in the plot itself. And let's just talk about the sonal landscape for this movie. The movie sounds great. It's actually funny because this movie came out, like this is one of the early movies that came out on Blu-ray. And I don't know if Blu-ray was 2005, 2006. I don't know. Maybe Fox went back to it and put it out. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, no. Fox owned this movie, which means that Disney owns this movie, which means that I'm never going to see a 4K cut of this, whatever. Okay, either way, Man on Fire on Blu-ray is actually really good. Um, the sound effects on it were actually being sent to my ceiling speaker. God bless it, right? But anyways, Man on Fire, the sound is actually really good in this movie but not beyond that the music to the movie is actually still really good as well and i think the ending has like three different songs and all three of them just hit after hit after hit on the emotional like registry and by the time i got to the end of that movie i was like man that was really fucking good um I don't really know how good the movie itself is. I just know that it convinced me very well that I like this movie enough to put it in my collection. My shelf has finally filled up, so I did pull Game Night out of the shelf for this one. But yeah, Man on Fire, I had an absolutely great time. I love this movie now, and I'm happy to have a copy of it. Dorian, any thoughts about Man on Fire? Fortunately, not as much as I'd like, just because I actually haven't seen it. Um, but it is on my watch list now. Uh, I do love me some Denzel Washington, um, who was very good in uh, Tragedy Macbeth, which was this year. And yeah, there's. Uh, I, I feel like the, I, I kind of like revenge flicks, like stuff like that. It's just such a simple baseline concept for a movie. So uh, I feel like this is something I'll definitely enjoy uh, when I'll get to it. I don't know. I don't think it's streaming anywhere in Canada right now, so. That kind of just lowers it down the totem pole a little bit, but uh, I'll keep my eyes on it for sure, and hopefully I can uh, check it out sooner rather than later. It looks uh, it looks interesting uh, from what I've seen, and I kind of like those early 2000s or late 90s uh, action flicks like that, so we'll see. Uh, this one is post-9-11, so it does feel like it's slightly grittier, but like at the end of the day, it still feels like it carries enough of the lightness of the 90s to some degree. Uh, either way, like I am just so impressed at this movie that probably most people were like oh yeah that movie exists impressed me as much as it did yeah that's awesome no i think uh tony scott too i i, I think i've seen some of it like what has he done i feel like top gun is the main one top because i've never seen top gun so that's also on my list so that's definitely a director i'm gonna have to explore more of. all right now i'm curious i'm gonna look at what else he's done because like that's really all i have as a touchstone for him so 
He's directed Top Gun, True Romance. He directed True Romance. Okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he did do True Romance. I always forget because I think of it as Tarantino because he wrote it and did everything. But yeah, no, that's right. Okay, A Man on Fire, Deja Vu, The Taking of Felon 123, the remake, uh, Enemy of the State. Oh, holy shit, Enemy of the State. Okay, I Henry Gregson, Gregson Williams did the music for this movie. And do you remember what he did as well? No, what? Metal Gear Solid 2, 3, and 4. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah, all right. Sick. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. I not, yeah. No, no, because right. I think it was specifically Enemy of the State that Kojima saw, and he's like, Must I want have. that guy. Yeah, yeah, cause that, that would that's definitely a Kojima thing to do. <laughs> but yeah, um, wait, did he he did Days of Thunder as well? Fuck, I've been wanting to watch Days of Thunder. Okay, you know what? Um, do you know what Tony Scott? I feel like even though Top Gun is the main one on his resume, I should probably give his other Denzel Washington revenge flick a chance. Well, actually, I don't know if it's a revenge flick, but it just kind of looks like it. Called Deja Vu. It also stars Denzel Washington, and I think it came out the year after. So, yeah, you know what? I, Tony Scott, I should give you more of a shot, you know? Yeah, I feel that way, too. I'll have to, because I really, really love True Romance, which is going to get a rewatch soon, because they just uh, released a 4K steely of that. So, mm-hmm. that'll be coming up soon, and uh, I love that movie. So, definitely want to dig into some of it more, even though True Romance is kind of Tarantino, in a way, in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, but, yeah. Go ahead, go for your score, because I want to end it with my score. Oh, yeah, I, I will watch it. At some point, out of 10. Looks good. I'm drinking water because this is going to probably be the worst score ever, but I feel like it. this movie deserves it. <clears throat> Una palabra no dice nada. Out of 10. Okay, very that's, beautiful. That song at the end is like, fuck! Not good, eh? Ah! <laughs> Ugh! Ugh! Okay, moving on. Back to you. Positive review. Uh, so my final movie on my list is Licorice Pizza. Uh, the the Paul finally Thomas, he finally got to watch. I've been wanting to watch this one for a while. It finally came for rental on Cineplex, so I rented it and I watched it. And yeah, it was it was really great. Um, there's just a lot to like about this movie. It's your typical kind of slice of life movie with um, some great acting. Uh, the girl Al- Alma Haina. Fuck, I forget her name now. Uh, Haim, something Haim. Yeah, she's a singer. She was surprisingly good in this, like really good considering all she's been done is like singing stuff. I don't think she's ever done an actual role. Philip Seymour Hoffman's kid. I mean, this is a pretty simple role, but he nailed it. He did a great job. Kids got chops for sure. So a lot of Haim. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Hopefully there's uh, there's more of him in the future. And yeah, this was I mean, it's basically what I was expecting. Is it top tier? Paul Thomas Anderson for me? No, no, it's not. Uh, def- it's top five though. Like I, I think I slotted this at number five, right ahead of the master. And uh, I stand by that. I think this is a great movie. Um, I do have one minor quabble with it. And I was kind of getting into it with the discord about this yesterday, but I, I really don't understand the hype for Bradley Cooper in this movie or Bradley Cooper in general. I still haven't seen anything that I've loved him in. I mean, he was good in Nightmare Alley, but I kept thinking Leo would do better. And I honestly still believe that. And now this, he's he's in the movie for 10 minutes. And I mean, yeah, it's a good scene. There's not, there, It's a very well-acted scene. There was some good tension in that scene, and he's fine in it. But I, I, I mean, the fact that people actually were 
talking about him for maybe a best supporting actor nomination. I, I, I that's mental to me. I'm sorry. It's absolutely fucking mental, but okay, maybe let's I, see if I'm going to be mental or not. Let's see who else is on this list. <laughs> but maybe I have a mental block with Bradley Cooper. I just don't like him. I guess I just don't love him. I, I mean, the only thing I really like him in is uh, 10 Cloverfield lane in the season, a five second cameo on a voice call. Wait, does so, he not get nominated, or are people just saying that they would have wanted him nominated? People are saying that they would have wanted him nominated. Oh, yes, I would have wanted to. Yeah, see, I, I think that's insane. I think that's he, absolutely the insane. The energy he brings to that movie is so fucking chaotic that this minutes? man... Was, yeah, and? And? <sighs> you want to know who's the person with the least amount of screen time that won a Best Supporting Actor? Do we oh, remember? Sure. Do, do we need to say it out loud? Sir, say it out loud. Okay. How about fucking Hannibal Lecter for The Silence of the Lambs, okay? Literally like 10 or 12 minutes. And you know what? The good thing is is that I think Bradley Cooper, more than anything else, whenever I think of licorice pizza, I think of him aggroing, okay? So even though there's just a whole bunch of nice hangout shit, Bradley Cooper, with the small amount of time that he's in this movie, if he leaves that much of an impression, yeah, sure, why not? Like, I'm looking at the other nominations like, who, who? Ooh, okay, yeah, J.K. Simmons, you know what? I didn't watch your movie. I like you. Fuck it. Give it to you just because I like you anyways. But let me see. Uh, obviously, the kid from Power of the Dog. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Uh, no, I don't want to give anything to Power of the Dog. Um, supporting actors. I should have not closed the tab. <laughs> Troy Couture. I have no idea who that is. J.K. Simmons. Sure, I like you. Jesse Plemons. <laughs> Cody Smith. McPhee. <laughs> uh, Kieran Hines. Yeah, you know what? Probably doesn't help that I didn't watch those movies. But also at the same time, no, just give it to Bradley Cooper. I just whatever. I don't even feel like talking about this because I already feel like I'm out of my depth talking about movies I haven't seen. <laughs> Continue. What we we we. I'm going to be completely honest, and you know I don't like Power of the Dog. You know. Mm-hmm. You know I don't like that movie. I swear to God. I swear but to God. I, I, I would don't. give the best supporting actor to either of those over Bradley Cooper. For Fuck that you. Fuck I, you. I, I, I honestly no. would. No. Now, you, you brought up Hannibal Lecter. I feel like it's a completely different situation. Hannibal no, but I'm Lecter, saying like the time. No, I if get you're going to use time as an argument. I get it. But he's central to that plot. He is that plot. Like He's so central to that fucking movie. Bradley Cooper, you could have cut that scene out and nothing would have changed. It would be worse. I'm not going to lie. Nothing. I, I don't. I don't think so. You are telling me you don't like his chaotic energy. It's fine. It's fine. It's good. It's a good scene. It's but fine. If you, if, you, if you take that scene out of the movie, nothing changes for me. Honestly, cut Sean Penn. Cut Sean Penn. Sure, I don't. You could. Yeah, you could. I, I, I'm not saying Sean Penn was any better. No, no. I'm saying that if you want to cut anyone who is not well, central I, to the plot, I mean, like that's the thing. It's I'm not a, saying. I'm not saying you need to cut either of them. That, that, I'm not trying to say that. I'm just saying. You could theoretically cut that scene out of the movie, and the movie would still be great, and nothing would change for me. If you cut Are Hannibal you Lecter out of Silence of the Lambs, Silence of the Lambs is ruined. Are you telling me that would Licorice Pizza be a worse movie without Bradley Cooper? Worse, no. Wow, that's where we disagree. That's, okay, you know what? This, this is this is going to be an impasse. Okay, we're gonna have to move on. From yeah, this, I, I think we, I think we're gonna impasse that one. I agree. Yeah, if so, we don't and, agree on that, like there's nothing we can do. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, yeah, great movie. Otherwise, I I don't think he's bad in the movie. I think he's fine. I just think it's incredibly overblown his importance in the movie. 
Uh, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. Eight out of ten. Love the movie. Sorry, did you have more you want to say? <laughs> we just no, kind of, I, I, really I, I meant I. I fucking hate you. I don't. Importance. Okay, perfect. We're good. Importance. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna cope. May I have to even have a little seed after. Um, all right. All right. Uh, why don't you move on to uh, some uh, kung fu Japanese game? Oh yeah. Okay. So um, licorice pizza. Fucking great. Uh, give Bradley Cooper the best supporting act- actors <laughs> award, even though he's not nominated out of ten. Um, Ghostwire Tokyo. So it was late last night. I was looking and I was like, yeah, it's 11. Still not ready to go to sleep. And then I just started looking around. I was like, fuck it. Ghostwire Tokyo's there. I feel like I might want to sell this. I picked it up and I was like, I don't even think I'm going to like this game that much. It might just be the aesthetic that carries me. Whatever. Right. I'll buy it. And if I like the steelbook, sick. Well, the aesthetic is a lot to carry me through this game. Um, I'm actually really enjoying Ghosts of Ghostwire Tokyo. I was about to say Ghosts of Tsushima, but honestly, I feel like... Ghosts of Wires of Tokyo? <laughs> Ghosts of Wires of the Tokyos, right? Uh, the funny thing is that I think both of them actually might have the same thing, which is that they just have a very nice aesthetic to carry me through something that bare bones might be something that I don't care about. Um, I actually really like Ghostwire Tokyo. Is it basically what I said where the magic would just replace guns? Um, yes, but the animations are so sick whenever you're in first person that I don't really care that it's just a difference in animations. Like it feels different enough. Like I like being able to shoot wind at them. I love that you can actually parry their attacks. Like, I didn't realize that the shield attack would parry them, and then it weakens them, and then if you shoot them again, it sends them with knockback damage. I was like, that's actually pretty fun. Um, You can talk to dogs and cats, and you can hear their thoughts, and you can pet them. There's a magical little cat. Um, There's a linear section that, that the game opens with that I was actually really digging that... For some reason, like, even though I haven't, like, I I think maybe I left fear halfway done, it actually reminded me a little bit of fear being in this little dingy building with weird looking enemies. I was like, I'm actually really digging this. But then there are other times where the game was, you know, visually, I think just visually, I don't think anything in the design is reminding me, but there was some moments where it was kind of evoking the feeling that I had when I was playing Deus Ex, being in this small little hub town that feels very dense. It feels like it's just way, it's it's very surface level, those reminders. Trust me, I don't want anyone thinking that Ghostwire Tokyo is anything like Deus Ex. It's not. But like, it feels a lot like the ability to be in first person in very dense streets was reminding me of stuff that I already liked in Deus Ex. So that is working very well for me. Um, honestly, I do love that this game has allowed me to turn off the minimap and a whole bunch of the icons. Like, basically, all I have is the old tile, old style um, El- Elden Ring, Elder Scrolls compass at the top with notifications on it right and i can just wander around like that i have my health and ammo at the bottom right and you can even turn off the um top left thing of like this is your next mission to do it's like i don't don't fucking tell me that so i've been able to pare this down a lot to remove the kind of ubisoft open world feeling to it and i've actually I th- I was, okay, to be fair, I played two hours of it, so I may sound like I'm talking about it way more deeper in. No, no, it's like two hours. But 
I have been able to tailor the game and turn off things to where I'm just exploring the game way more naturally. I will just go around. Oh, look, it's a blue light over there. I look at the blue light. Oh, it's spirits. I'm going to grab the spirits. I'm going to go to a phone booth and deposit them so I can get some money out of it. Oh, I can hear in the sound design that there is something squawking above me. Oh, I can use my magic uh, Doctor Strange rope to teleport myself up above the roost. Also, there is a hover mechanic when you jump off of a roof where if you hold X, it'll float you off. So you can use that to get to other buildings. And I didn't know this game was going to have verticality like that. So it's actually been letting me explore a lot more than I expected. And uh, Ghostwire Tokyo is working for me more than I expected because it's a lot of stuff where it's like, this might be like very bare bones, probably still the Ubisoft formula, but two hours in, it's like you are doing enough unique things that that might be enough to hide it. And like I said before, that Ghost of Tsushima is an Ubisoft game, but it has enough uniqueness and a very satisfying combat along with a narrative and some great music to make me just go, yeah, I still want to do this anyways. Ghostwire Tokyo feels like it might be in that camp of, yeah, you probably have the framework, but there is so much creativity that is here that it makes me happy to keep playing. I probably will keep playing. I will. I don't know. Part of me just still feels like I want to take a break from gaming because Elden Ring took a lot out of me, right? That was like a hundred hours in like, what, 20 days? Like, I put a lot of time into fucking Elden Ring. But Ghostwire Tokyo, I think it's only like 10 to 15 hours under 20. If this game can be under 20 hours, I don't think the Ubisoft bones are going to show up to annoy me. So if this game is as short as I think it is, then this is going to be good. So Dorian, tell me, is there anything about Ghostwire Tokyo speaking to you? Where do you stand on this one, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, I, I definitely need to check this out at some point. The more... And the more videos I watched on it, it seemed like kind of the less interested I was. But that being said, there's something about the aesthetic. I have always liked Tango Gameworks. Kind of a little bit salty that it's not more of a horror game. Like, from what you've seen in those two hours, is it scary? No, it really doesn't. Yeah. It feels like it wears the aesthetic of horror, but then it never goes through with it. Which, honestly, I'm okay with. I would have actually been happy either way. If they had gone full horror with it, cool. But it just seems like it wants to wear the horror as, like, just aesthetic more than anything else. That's fair. And, I mean, I can't judge them. Like, if that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. I always liked them as a horror studio, though, because there's not a lot of, obviously, horror studios out there making, you know, nearly AAA quality level horror games. So that's kind of a disappointment in that regard. But all that being said, it definitely seems to have a vibe to it and unique. That Steelbook is really nice, too. But, unfortunately, we didn't get it in Canada. That probably would have propelled me to get it just for that. But Dude, that Steelbook is what propelled me to get it. Like, oh, yeah. It's like, it's I, hot. Dude, I saw on Mercari that a whole bunch of the Steelbooks selling solo for $40. And I was like, oh, yeah. A large part of me thought that I was going to get this game way after the fact because I was thinking, ooh, this game is probably going to go the Deathloop way. It's probably not going to sell well. And then I'll be able to pick up a Steelbook for $20 in the first day. And then I'll be okay with that. But then I started realizing that people were selling the Steelbooks for way more. I was like, ah, well, it might somehow it might end up being better if I buy it day one to get the Steelbook there. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. Okay, fine, fine. At least... If the game is good, at least I'll be happy. And it seems like so far, yeah, I don't have any reason to worry. 
unless the game is like 40 or 50 hours long. Then I'm going to get really annoyed. <laughs> yeah, I actually heard it's pretty short, so I don't think you've got that problem. Um, Please, I hope so. Yeah. No, that's de- it's, so it's definitely on my list to check out one day. I'll probably, when it goes on a sale or something like that, I'll probably end up nabbing it. I mean, look how quickly Deathloop, how cheap it got, how quick it got. So mm-hmm. I, I, I imagine Ghostwire Tokyo, if it goes cheap, like, end of this year for, like, holidays and stuff like that, I'll probably end up picking it up if I'm in more of a gaming mood and uh, giving it a shot at some point. But, yeah, I am so far pleasantly surprised with it. Uh, I really hope this game isn't fucking long because it's really just going to... I could see this grading on me, but so far I have been able to tailor the game in a way where it just lets me go do what I want. So yeah, big fan of this game so far. We'll see if I'm tired of it within the next, let's say five episodes. Cause who the fuck knows if I'm actually going to power through this, like I am or not. So <laughs> yeah, um, it'd be tough to grab you like Elden Ring. Yeah, no, seriously, honestly, after Elden Ring, like anything that would come after would be t- fucking towering. Good luck. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> here we are. So thankfully uh, Ghostwire feels like so much like, we're being really unique and we kind of understand that the game itself isn't going to be, you know, anything that different. So we're going to do everything that we can as much to make it worthwhile. So this feels like the right, this feels like the right come down from Elden Ring, which makes me sad because I really wanted the next game I played to get smacked the fuck out of the Elden Ring. So then I'm like, oh, games suck again. No reason for me to deal with them. So uh, big shame that Ghostwire didn't suck more. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give this a uh, steelbook brain rot out of 10. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a gorgeous steelbook out of 10, and I hope we'll end up uh, playing it soon. Under three hours! Under three hours! Oh my yeah, god, this is great! With time to spare, too. Beautiful. Oh, Ooh, okay, uh, I hope I can cut this even shorter. End card. Hey, look at you. You got to the end of the episode. From episode zero to the day that I finally get lazy and cancel the show, a big thank you to Joey Rawlings for providing the perfect name for the show. Be sure to always give him thanks, either out loud as you're listening to this, or you can just send him a thank you tweet at boogeyman117 underscore. That's boogeyman117, I-E instead of Y, double O. Be sure that it's an underscore, not a dash, 117.